Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 228. Uh, joining us this week, uh, the rival podcasting crew from Fish Guy Media Network, uh, Rob and Josh Fish. Uh, join us this week for a uh, an exciting discussion about video games and sports and podcasting and all the nerdy stuff that I love to talk about. Also this week, uh, it is election day. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, get out there and vote. We'll talk a little bit about local elections, uh, My Chemical Romance, uh, Made in Utica's Handshake City wrap-up, history lessons, all of this, folks, and so much more. As always, we are happy to have you here on the Uticast. Go vote! So you're, so you I smell like Brussels I don't want to like talk towards you right now. You're fine. You're fine. It's okay. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> it's nice to see you as you slide closer to me. Uh, do you use, we think we talked about this before. Do you use the Screen Time app on your yes, phone? Yes, I do. do you, is your Screen Time been up or down lately? I am up 10 minutes this week. You're up 10 minutes. I was up 11 minutes this week. I was I tracking it tight. Like six hours of phone time. Are you at six? I, I am at about five like, hours a day or four hours and 45 minutes. How is minutes. that possible? I'm at work. <laughs> my whole day of work. I'm my 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 phone. I don't. I get the talk. I don't understand exactly how they figure out what counts as screen time. Like if I'm in the kitchen and I'm playing a podcast off my phone, I'm doing the dishes. Does that mm. count against yeah, my screen I time? My I think it does. Yeah, because okay. Spotify counts as screen it does, time. I mean, that plays all day and Spotify. Mind. I mean, like if I'm anytime I'm in the car or something, there's always a podcast or music mm. or something like that. Okay. So yeah, that technically counts as screen time. I mean, the yeah. screen is on if you're yeah, switching. Yeah, sometimes like, I put webinars on there too. Like that if kind I'm of thing. To a webinar. So probably if you're Chrome. You Chromecast off YouTube quite a bit. That probably counts. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm feeling a little bit better about myself. feel a little bit better. Okay. I bet you there's actually like two hours or so of me actually looking at my phone. Of, mm-hmm. of the day, like scrolling through, reading the news. I probably read an hour of news on my phone before I even go to work every day. I know, so I wonder what cumulative screen time would be like if you count all screens. So all count your computer, oh count oh your God. TV, count every screen there is. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to know. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. It's uh, Uticast episode 228. I know, 228. Sounds like such a big number. Why can't you believe it? Last I just, week I was 227. I, bought, <laughs> I just remember when I made those little party hats for the 100th one. You did. That's true. We still have some of those party hats. Floating around. Oh, I don't think I ever... Oh. That's right over there. there. It's right there. Yeah. We have it on the thing well, over there. Kept it. there. Um, so, uh, Joshua and Rob Fish were our guests today. They are a competitor podcast, I told them. They're, they're competing. They're our rivals oh, yeah. uh, at the Fish Guy Media Network. Uh, great, time, uh, great time talking to those boys. So we went about 45, 50 minutes. A lot of video game talk. So sorry for all you I knew when I went, Jeez, when, sorry, I went on their, when I went on their <laughs> podcast a couple weeks ago, when I was That's on right. the Fish Guys show, oh, and they got to, I saw like the stuff they had at their place, and I knew Josh a little bit anyway. Like I had the yeah. time before they started doing the podcast. I knew they were video game guys, and I knew that was going to happen. I was listening to the interview in the green room. Like at some point, the spark is going to ignite where they hit the video game topic, and these guys are going to be... <laughs> <laughs> off to the races. I tried really hard to hold off as far as I could into the interview to do it, but it, about the 28 minutes of that interview, you get there. Uh, so, a couple things. Uh, spooky season is now officially over. We canceled. Have canceled Spooky With the season. great Halloween flood. 
Yeah, how about the flood? I didn't even you know, write anything up about it, but... I mean, the flood is is crazy. I guess we had the day off on Friday from school. They canceled mm. school. And I tweeted yeah. about it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, and then I started looking at the footage, and I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely can believe it. I initially thought, well, they're probably stopping this because the wind is too much. Can't have kids out there. North Genesee the Street was closed for two days. North Genesee Street was closed for two days. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you saw, one of the news stations had some great drone footage of yeah, the flood over was, North Genesee Street. It was crazy. crazy. My sister lives in Dodgeville, and I, anybody oh, no. who saw the news saw yeah. Dodgeville. Yeah, Their house was fine, like where they're located, they've got a nice spot. Mm-hmm. They don't really have to worry about flooding, luckily, but they had problems getting to and from work, uh, getting in and out. You know, that bridge, I think, in Newport or Middleville literally washed mm-hmm. away. That main bridge, that can, I can't remember the name of the road, but... It's crazy out that way. Like, I saw Governor Cuomo was out there picking babies out of the water. Like, he was <laughs> out there for his photo op. Well, um, um, the Adirondacks really bad. They're still restoring power up there. Yeah. Mm. It's really bad. There's so much power. Yeah, I talked to uh, a few people I know. There. I know a guy who works for Department of Transportation, another guy who works for, you know, the state uh, energy company, whatever the name of it is. And they were saying it's, like, crazy. They mm-hmm. literally haven't stopped working since, like, Halloween Day. Just nonstop because everybody is so, yeah. you know, everybody. I mean, there's parts of the back of South Utica. There's parts in Whitesboro. Houses are unlivable. Oh, Whitesboro's sad right now. Yeah, yeah. And Whitesboro keeps happening every year. Yep. Every single year now. Uh, well, it's funny. We went down to Handshake City uh, this weekend to sort of clean up the remains of on Handshake and the final stuff. And we had sort of expected some sort of flooding. Mm-hmm. We didn't really get it, but there is a sinkhole down there. And it is... <laughs> I saw a picture of it. Yeah, oh, did that one get even bigger? Was it the yeah, one that was already like, a little open? Yeah. Everything from Utica's in it. Yeah. Lake, <laughs> Lake Handshake is really... Yeah. Lake Handshake. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's really... It's out there. Speaking of uh, Handshake City, did you guys see the article in the paper today? Yeah. Awesome. Very nice article in the Observer there. Dispatch today. I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, it's such a funny thing. You know, even with this podcast, with everything in Maiden Utica, sometimes, you know, we just do stuff and we're kind of head down and doing our work and putting our stuff out. And we don't always know, outside of the people who show up to the events and stuff who talk to us, you don't always know how many people are paying attention or who's Mm -hmm. on board. And it is nice sometimes to know we're not just like working for nothing. There are people who are seeing it. Uh, and I'm glad that more people will, you know, hopefully see stuff come in and our crowds will get bigger and we have more mm-hmm. events going forward. I hope. Well, you, I mean, you, you make a good point there because we really are kind of, you don't always see how much people notice or people yeah. see yeah. You never know. Because, yeah. like, after, you know, the main Utica work is done, everybody goes back and has, like, their lives and their stuff that they've got to do. And we don't really go out into the world and, like, yeah. seek out the, like, oh, look, here's our foundation or our this or that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We're not out there, like... You know, go to work, and then we also do the Made Utica work, and that's kind of it. So it's nice to know, you know, sometimes we're sort of in the bubble. It's nice to see that the world outside has some recognition for mm-hmm. what goes on and some yeah. appreciation. So, yeah, get a great article. Go to OD and read it. Uh, I thought Justin did a really nice job. Kate did a nice job. I'm, I'm sad that all of our events for the year are, are done. I like doing the events, but yeah. it was a it was an exciting year, and I'm looking forward to a couple weekends without, like, another mm-hmm. giant event no, to yeah. set up for and tear down. Uh, it's that time. We're getting into settling in season. It is also election season. Today, on Tuesday, November 5th, if you're listening to it on Tuesday, is election day. Uh, I'm going to say I've already voted because by the time you hear this, I will probably already have voted. Maybe. Um, we didn't... Br- I had thought about bringing a political guest on the show again this week. We had Joe last week and Mike Hennessy the week before. Uh, and then I just decided uh, I didn't have it in me to do another, another week's worth of politics it's nice to mix it up you know we mm-hmm. do we, we we always have a forum here for local politicians to come yeah. on and talk to the community but you know 
got to get all sorts of different guests and mix it up. Uh, it'll be sort of a moot conversation by the time this comes out, but uh, you know, I'm very secure on who I'm going to vote for on a couple different things, on a couple different positions. But specifically with like Common Council and stuff, I feel like a lot of it is sort of up in the air. I'm still not totally sure, like the day before, how I feel about everything. Do you guys feel totally sure about everyone you're voting for tomorrow? Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. There's a couple spots where I'm still on the wire. Um, there's definitely, I can think of one specific election where I wish I had somebody else to vote for, another candidate, yeah. uh, sure. besides the two people running. Um, there's definitely, there's a lot of people. It's also weird when you live in the city because you'll see all the different signs for all the people running for council and all the different wards. And, you know, you've got to really think about where you live and who your specific candidates are. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit jumbled in, like, common council season. Because, like, if you're driving around in North Utica, you'll see signs for somebody. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I see that name everywhere. But I'm not, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm not voting for that person in their race or whatever. So yeah. it can get sort of. I got confused. I'm actually just learning about the first ward and second ward and yeah. all of that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really, until, like, a couple of years ago, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to any mm-hmm. of that stuff. Well, if Kate did a really nice job from the Maiden Utica mm-hmm. Twitter of, you know, live tweeting the forum they had mm-hmm. in South Utica. And... Yeah. And I thought about it. I wanted to go that night and I couldn't make it. I think I was in class or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like there's not a really great way right now to find out exactly, especially locally for like Common Council and smaller stuff, exactly where everyone stands on yeah. everything. Like mm-hmm. you you really have to do some digging now. And I feel like that's tough for a lot of people. It's it's almost like an, it's kind of outdated in a way. And yeah. so I think you see frustration with a lot of people. Like right now there's a lot of like, you know, what what's going on? What is everybody doing? Everything seems like it's really like backdoor and hush mm-hmm. hush. And I think people are just used to being able to have more accessibility to things nowadays. Like, everything else yeah. we can read. You know, if you want to learn about almost anything, any other topic, anything going on, you can look it right up and read a comprehensive overview. But with local elections, it's still like, wait, who? Who is and this I guy? Like... This guy is nothing but a name unassigned to me. Where do I even find his thing? And if you do find these people, they're just talking crap about the other person, and I'm not learning anything about mm-hmm. their values or what they want. That's And that's true. very frustrating for me because I'm like, oh, that's this person true. seems good, but all I see is you complaining about so-and-so. I don't, at this point, I don't care. I know where you stand. I just want to know more about you. I want to know what you want to do. I don't care about you acting like you're five. Well, on the other side of that argument, there's a couple people I've seen who are really campaigning on personality only. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have a cool story and here's my story and I think I should be elected for something. It's like, I I need more than that. Like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that your story is nice. It is a nice story. Mm-hmm. I need to know more about other stuff, though. Like, there's weird ways to campaign, it seems like. I feel like, yeah, yeah a lot of people are doing more of, like, a almost like millennials, they need a story. And we that's huge for everybody now. They need to be impacted by a story of how you grew up and how things feel. But we know that that's not all we need. Yeah. And we need more than that, so. Well, yeah, I think that's, you know, the notion. I think people um, almost think that they need a story more yeah. than they do. Like, yeah. People are overgoing with it. I think there's also, we get, you know, as with any place that's like a city, but also a small town in a lot of ways, um, we definitely have, there's people who run for things where it's like, well, why are you even running for this? Like, is this just yeah. like, you're just sort of in it because like, you know, you know people and you're just kind of there and you're like, oh, that seems like a nice thing, nice way to get a couple bucks. But like, what do you actually think you're going to do in this job? And like, what's your plan as far as that goes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that to a certain extent, like for some people, a person who's just out here with nothing but plans, it's like the Elizabeth Warren problem. Like people get annoyed sometimes and it's like, oh, I got a plan for everything. It's like, yeah, but like mm-hmm. that's a, a, if that's a problem, that's like a you problem with the person sure, who's annoyed. Sure, sure, like, sure. Oh, this person is too well She's prepared actually, and too well thought out. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> it challenges people's like attention span bit, issues. It might know? just seem like to some people like that. Because people want the story, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I'll tell you one thing I am glad about for when this election is over. 
I am very. I will be very glad to stop getting 350 pieces yeah. of mail and junk shoved into my door every single day. I also won't say who, but I don't like it when people but, come by and do it multiple times for the same person. We got your flyer. Yeah. If there, you, well, there's a lot of them. If you, That's yeah. not even. I know who you're talking about because we were laughing about it the other day. But there's like five or six people. Look at the table here. I, I know. Looking at it while there's you're like talking. nine or ten. I mean, these are six oh, guys, of the so same of things of that from the mayor. I'd even say. I mean, he, they're yeah. sending them. Certainly, everybody's getting them. I know everything. These I need are the to know same thing without a flyer. So uh. because one came for me, one came for him. So we yep. have two, and it's like mm-hmm. think about which doing and please Folks. if you're going to put at least put it on my door make sure it's a quality one oh yeah can we talk about that for can a second talk about, can we not put a photocopy yeah, your, don't send out a, a black and white photocopy of your other flyer. If you don't want the job, just don't take it. Don't <laughs> yeah, if you, like, I, don't I mean, I can't. Yeah. But you know what? It's is that I mean, it's probably worse for the people to be ordering like thousands of these glossy, like printed, like all this and that. I mean, you don't really need that either. I mean, I would take that over the photocopied oh, okay. right, piece course, of paper. Of course. Okay, I mean, it's I mean, it wasn't even. It was terrible. Can we talk about the signs for a second too? I've seen signs everywhere. A lot of signs. Uh, how more much, than I've ever seen? I feel like. Is it more than? I feel, I feel like, like more than. I feel like no. every time I see the signs, I think it's more than I've ever seen. But we we're a you sign kind of heavy forget. community. Well, especially because, like I said, common council. When there's a council election, mm-hmm. it's. Every single part of, of Utica that you drive through has its own set of two to three people running for, like, each of, like, three different positions and everything. Right. It's a whole... There's Especially when you drive through some of the big sectors, like the places mm-hmm. that are heavily trafficked. Go up to trafficked. the zoo. Go up to the zoo. Exactly. The whole way. Well, it's funny, too, because do you put any stock... Because I'm curious. I do put a little bit into it. Do you put any stock into the quality of the advertisements that you see when, you, yeah, when you're going down I, the street? I... I do. Yes. I'm not going to mention because I don't want to influence anything. Sure. But there's a couple that I wish they could have done better. Yes. And I'm oh, very yeah. disappointed in because yeah, there's will... somebody, there are people I'm going to probably vote for, but I'm just disappointed in. I will say yes, yes and signage. no. <laughs> like for the most part, I'm yeah. not going to take, although that's, um, I'm not going <laughs> to take, like if I see two signs for two people and they're both like pretty good, well done professional mm-hmm. signs. I'm not going to sit there and compare and contrast those, but I will definitely notice like if your sign is really just bootleg, that'll kind of stick out to yeah. me. And I'll be like, oh, I can't. If you're putting these signs out, you're not probably the person getting my vote. I'll say this. I could do with less red, white, and blue. I appreciate a couple people I've seen out there who are using like different colors for their oh, signs. Yeah, yeah. Get mm-hmm. off the red, white, and blue. Yeah. yeah. It's the AOC model. AOC's like Get off the um, red, white, and campaign blue. stuff in the Bronx was very like uh, politically colored neutral, mm-hmm. right? She would do like these bright colors that would catch the eye of like a purple or a yellow or a green or something that was different in that way. Yeah. When uh, it comes to political signs, do you want to see the face or yes. do you not want to see the face? Do you think people should be putting faces on I signs? think I think you need to have more than one. I think that if you look at like I think Palmieri and Marino were a good example of this. If you're driving around Utica you see it. There are just like vote for Marino signs and vote for Palmieri signs and they also have the separate sign that has their like silhouette on it with uh-huh. other stuff on the side. I think you can do both. Right. And if you're in a larger race, like a mayoral race, as opposed to a common council, mm-hmm. I think you can double down on getting two different sets of signs for different supporters. Right. Yeah. That being said, lawn signs, it feels like if you're going to put their face on it, it's kind of a tough squeeze. you got to have a good design if you're mm-hmm. going to do it right, because it can get real it's clunky real quick. You faces on the voting when you're voting. The little face. Oh, yeah. yeah like you gotta I feel point, like that would influence you got to circle the face on there. Yeah. I, feel like, I like this friend or that one. It's something I noticed over the last year or so with... Uh, especially locally. I used to say with a lot of people, you know, I talked about it with Brindisi and Marino over the years, 
Uh, you don't have to... Democrat and Republican means less in a local election than it does on the national scale. But I kind of feel like we're in a weird time, especially right now, where people who vote down their line just are only voting Democrat or only voting Republican might not actually be voting for what they think they're voting for. Because a lot of people who are running as Democrats or Republican are running because that's the open thing to run against as opposed to what their actual, like belief system for may sure fall people in. just kind of well because a lot of because the things that we use nowadays unfortunately to a lot of times categorize as republicans and democrats the categorizations we use are based upon national issues mm-hmm. like people are like oh i'm a democrat because and they talk about you know like gun control and you know reproductive rights and different yeah. things like that going through but like that stuff when it comes down to small elections isn't mm-hmm. really as applicable um, i mean it does matter though because those people could be going up they, stepping up on the ladder. True. So I want to know when I'm putting you in office that you mm-hmm. are behind things I believe in. Right. So therefore, so and so's. I mean, it's great. They want to fix this and you can. They're doing all this awesome. But if your belief system is different, then when as you move up, it's it changes. And I, I, I don't feel comfortable well, with that. <laughs> I feel like then there your vote would change when that election comes. For the election, like I'm just electing you for this job. If you go further, I might have to switch. You know, there's people and candidates. That I've switched for over mm-hmm. the years because yeah. it's like you just change what you do, and I think that's like a part of the process. You yeah. know what I mean? Is watching with people, but it's interesting because there's people. Um, I can think of a race this year that I'm voting for somebody who's way outside what I would normally yeah. vote. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this person supports what I believe for the specific sector of the job they're trying to do. Like somebody yeah. way from left field. Yeah. Stuff that would never really happen on a national level because they wouldn't have the similar things I identify with because it's different sets of issues for local as opposed to national. Let me ask you this question, and we don't have to, and I, please do not feel the need to get into your own personal reasons for why. What are the big issues that people are basing their votes on right now locally? Is it like downtown hospital stuff? Is mm. it like, is it the like Center? Center? Is yeah. it Nexus stuff? Like, what are people in Utica actually paying attention to? Because it doesn't seem to be the three terms thing. People it don't seem to care seems, about that. Well, it seems to me, I'm, the part of it is that there's no real, like, media or system to organize it around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, local news, local papers, they do what they can, but, like, their job is kind of different. Yes. Nobody's really giving their message out, like we were talking about earlier. I agree. But I think that that feeds into a larger issue with, you know, some of those things you just said. With a lot of people that I talk to, um, people who are, you know, pay attention to this kind of thing, like people who have an opinion or whatever, generally one of the things they're voting on here locally is the notion that a lot of people feel like they've kind of, you know, been kept in the dark and they're like, yes. you know, Transparency. what's going on here? Like, what are we doing? What's the, like, what's the plan? How is this working? You know, it seems like there's a lot of, like, backroom deal type stuff, as it always yeah. has That's been. You know, the Handshake City, they give it that name for a reason. Yep. That's always been Utica's reputation. Um, and I think a lot of people are starting to feel like, well, wait a minute, you know, we can't just let, you know certain certain groups certain people just kind of do whatever they want we got to figure out you know a lot of the young people the independent people that come out to maiden utica events people get involved in the community people are like listen i want to have my say too just because i don't work for one of these you know three four or five organizations in town just because i don't know these certain people doesn't mean that i can't be looped in, in the process i would like to have a say in what happens to this city going forward as well you know what i mean i think that's something that weighs on a lot of people here locally and I know myself when I get involved and, you know, pay attention to local politics as well. Um, my biggest concern for tomorrow, full stop, is that people are not going to get out and vote. Oh, no chance. Uh, my biggest... No chance. Like, no matter what happens, I feel no like chance. we are... 
There's just not. Maybe about 700 people going to go vote tomorrow. It does not. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. It does feel like it. And I, I have to go early in the morning tomorrow. Um, I'm off. I have to go drop my car off to get it fixed in the morning. So I'm going to go do that early in the morning. And I'm very curious to see what kind of what the numbers are when I go at like 7:30 in the morning. Like this how is many... the most talk I've seen too at election at this this type of election mm-hmm. the most like chattering about it People really talking i feel like a lot of social media i see a lot more of it on social media that's interesting than I've i feel seen before. like so i i have i feel a little differently i feel like more I, people are going to come to really you know, I, I do i was gonna I, do. I was gonna say that i feel like i've seen less but like as i think about it and as you say that i think i realize what the actual thing is i'm just on less in like yeah, years and previous when? elections i would be out and like looking and reading and mm-hmm. being out there and like participating in conversation on social media I don't really do that anymore. So, you know, maybe they really are. And that's encouraging to hear because my big concern is always turnout. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I really hope it would be great to see. Could you imagine what would happen if 70% of the people turned out? I would. Could you, like, like, I wouldn't believe it. It would never happen. 100%. Yeah. I'm not going to come out because it flooded. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's not always easy for some people, too. Like, it no, we have made it super easy for folks to go out there and vote. True. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. a good part of it. Uh, so yeah, get out there and vote, folks. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, if you're listening to it on Wednesday, and you didn't vote, you missed it. You're the problem. You're the problem. Uh, let's. We still love you. We still. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let's talk just about. Less. Let's, let's talk about uh, one more thing before we go to break. And I'm just going to shout out um, GFOP of the pod, Malik Gale from the Against the Algorithm podcast. Oh, Malik. Yeah, great dude. Love Malik. Um, so he was talking today on Twitter about the band My Chemical Romance. You guys familiar with the band My Chemical yeah, Romance? Of course. Heather, are you familiar? Yeah, with I am. Okay, of course. Um, I've seen a lot of positive talk about My Chemical Romance over the last couple of days. Did they come back together or something? Are they yes. like okay? So yeah. Okay. So what's happened here is My Chemical Romance is a band that had like a big cult of fans. People love them. Mm-hmm. Were really way deep into it, and they had broken up when a hiatus years ago. And they finally they want to cash in on some of that. You know, ten yeah. year, twenty year nostalgia. So they're getting back together. Mm-hmm. And people are over the moon. Yeah, I know at least one GFOP uh, who stopped here at the studio last night and told me that he's going to Los Angeles to see My Chemical Romance. Mm, so, I heard about that. Yeah, that's, like, that's hilarious. He really likes that album, The Black Parade. <laughs> which is, anybody who listens to like music, if you're into it, My Chemical Romance, you know, an emo band doing this and that, the last album they put out, I think, was called The Black Parade, and it sounded like a Queen album. So if you're into like guitar rock and like guitar solos and high yeah. pitch singing and really a lot of pageantry, check out the Black Parade. You'll probably like it. So I quote tweeted Malik when he was talking about them today, and I mm-hmm. put out a tweet that I specifically put out, assuming I was going to get dragged for saying trying it. to sh- trying to <laughs> shake the wasp nest a little bit. So here's what I said: I said maybe I'm a cycle tool, but I don't get all the My Chemical Romance love I'm seeing in my feed. I always thought they were whack. You are yes, I'm preparing myself to get dragged for saying so. Bring on the hate. Um, but uh, Malik had a really sp- smart answer to this. We joked around, like, sending like, uh, gifs back and forth. But he wrote, uh, kidding aside, they were a band that was around during my formative years of music. Mm-hmm. And talked about them with, talking about them with other fans really shaped the way I hear and interact with music in general. But if you don't mm-hmm. like them, that's fine. And I, I sort of agreed with him. And I was like, I think it's interesting where the lines cut off. Because yeah, yeah. I... We were just a couple years too old. That's kind of what I was getting at. If we were a couple years so younger, could... though, it would have been that band as opposed to bands like, you know, Blink-22 or, or yeah. Newfound yeah. Glory that yeah. we hold up really yeah. high. You know yeah. what I mean? Same kind of thing. But I guess it's weird. For me, I just, I guess because I was like a cycle behind on My Chemical mm-hmm. Romance, I was surprised by how many people were like, are really like stoked about this band. Yeah. It'd be like trying to explain to some dude who's like 41 how <laughs> some 41 kicks ass. And they I just wouldn't get it. They wouldn't be like, I don't really know. Oh my God. I, I jokingly referred to them 
um, to Malika's uh, mm-hmm. All American reject with eyeliner. <laughs> um, oh, and that's he a did. Great way to... uh, nah. He did. He did not appreciate that. Nah, the no, disrespect. Just kidding. I'm, I'm just Malik kidding. on this one. <laughs> just shout kidding. Out, shout out just to Malik. kidding. Um, I saw. I, I saw a nostalgia show concert <clears throat> yesterday. Speaking of nostalgia show <clears throat> concerts. I went to see the band Taking Back Sunday. Oh my gosh, I love yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Like on a complete whim. They were playing at, um, used to be Northern Lights in Albany. Yeah. I don't know what's wow. called now. It's a venue. It's a teeny tiny little venue that's in literally like a strip mall mm-hmm. in Albany. And it was their 20th anniversary of being a band and like, you know, the whole lineup and everything. They played their first album, Tell Your Friends, front to back. Then they flipped a coin to play their second or third album all together as well. And it was a really tiny little venue, and it was funny because you're out there and you're looking around, and so many of the people there are like, yeah, you've been listening to this for just as long as I have. And mm-hmm. you see like older folks and everybody yeah. in there. Uh, but it's it's a huge market for nostalgia yeah. now for people going to see bands with anniversaries, like people like My Chemical Romance. If you had a great album 10, 20 years ago, you can just go on tour every you five years forever. Mm-hmm. Probably made tons. Uh, all right, that's good. Let's uh, Let's take a break there, and let's get to this week's interview uh with the fish, fish boys. boys uh yeah to rob and josh it was unplanned uh i was calling them the fish brothers because it sounds like a good wrestling tag team to their I like face how you call him joshua i've never known him as joshua but i think you should stick with it i just try is to... that josh is that his name rob and josh didn't flow as well as rob and joshua or robert and josh i had to pick one or the other i don't know why his name's robin yeah. So we had a great conversation. I will say it gets very specifically into some things like sports and video games and nerd culture and but podcasting. Not too bad. I listen to it from yeah. the green room. Not too bad. If, if it goes that way, just hang tight. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great come time. back around. You know what you're here for. Great time talking to those lads. Uh, Kev, go back and listen to their episode as well where they had Kev on their uh, Fishbowl podcast. Um, we talked for literally yeah. three hours yeah. unhinged. Joshua <laughs> seems very uh, adamant into getting me onto the video game podcast. He very much wants me to go on the video. You guys are sold. It's true. You guys are sold. So let's go to this week's interview and we'll be back in just a moment. Making funny, I'm impressed. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, Tip of the hat. <laughs> and and we and I guess it's a, a prerequisite to say, um, uh, Rob and Joshua Fisher here of Fish Guys Media Network. Hello, uh, uh, Fish Guy Media Network. Pardon me, not the Fish Guys. I keep calling <laughs> you the Fish Boys. <laughs> fish Brothers, Whatever. Yeah. Fish Boys <laughs> Media Balls. Yeah. Um, but uh, we are probably going to talk a little bit about the ins and out of podcasting. So awesome. just be aware. Oh, of yeah. good. I hope to learn there. something. Yeah. Well, no, because I'm. I'm it is funny you say that because you said to me just before we turn the mic on, like yes. a lot of times I just like come over and we'll just we'll just chat it yeah, up, we'll just talk some shit, you know. <laughs> and uh, I have gone through this is the two hundred twenty eighth episode, and from episode zero to this episode, I have gone through every in like incarnation right. of this. I used to do like no notes at all. Right. Like, we're just gonna like freewheel. Right. I've done too many notes. I've yes. done like oh like where it's just me reading off a sheet for a while. And I think that this, I basically came up with a template, which I use for everything okay. now. 
This isn't even the show template. This is just the interview template, and then I do history lessons, which God. is a whole separate Oof. other thing. And Kevin and, uh, and Heather hate it. And that's even like small font too. Like you're not wasting any of the page. This I'm is, trying like, not. This to. is tactical. That was science. <laughs> trying to like read over your notes, like over your shoulder. Like, all right, what's this dude gonna get into? But it, I can't. It's no, just it's, too small. It's tough. Yeah. And you know, it's um, it's funny. I. I think I'm like that with my real life, too, as, like, an education guy. Like, yes. I wonder sometimes, like, how prepared should I be? Like, right. Like, as a charisma guy, should I just be willing to go in there with bullet points? Bullet points seems to be the plan. Uh, but let's let's start here. Yes. Uh, Joshua, Rob, you guys started the Fish Guy Media Network. How long ago would you say you actually started doing this concept? We put our first episode of the 32-Bit Arena out on May 11th of this year. We The idea was kind of... In fabrication since about the first of the year, we really buckled yeah, down to. Yeah, we were, I mean, we honest to God, we were sitting there just telling each other, hey, we got to start this podcast. We got to start off this podcast. We got to look up, you know, what do we need to do, what we need to do. And finally, he just came home from work one day and just looked at me and said, you want to know what? It's time to start. We got to do this. I've priced it all Good. out. And I was just like, okay, we're in. And yep. we haven't looked back. Mm. Yes. No, it's funny, and that's kind of the way you have to do it. Like the, this show in general started off because we did an episode zero, right. the trial episode, and put it on SoundCloud, and people liked it ish. And we're like, yeah, yes. okay, this yeah. is fine. And cool. Then every week it just sort of happened. Like right. I, I, we were definitely not ready. I don't think. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no one's ever ready though. I think that's the key. To that's it, exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And that and that was the one thing I think going into this. I mean, we knew. I mean, it was there was going to be a hell of a learning curve. We were going to be figuring this thing out kind of as we went along. But everyone told us from the beginning, it was just don't give up. Yes, Stay, that's true. Keep put out, put, when you say you're putting out an episode, put it out an episode. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how frustrated you are with the process. It's just putting yourself out there and, and just making it happen, staying committed to it is how it's going to grow. Well, yes. we're certainly going to talk about creativity as we go along just over the course of conversation. Oh, yeah. right. But I've said this argument over the years. I grew up a musician I played saxophone and then I got into like punk music and musical theater and then playing in bands with Kevin and the boys right. and, and then I was writing novels and then I was like working on blogs and then I was doing all sorts of stuff mm -hmm. and I think if you are a creative person it's something we've talked about a million times on this show if you are a creative person there is that impulse that drive inside of you that just says I need to get whatever's inside me out yes. if I wasn't doing this podcast there would be something Else, it's just a certain type of person right. that has this need to whether it's perform or share or reach out or talk to other people, and there's just something about it, yes. especially in today's like very technological, very digital world, that feels like it's disconnecting. And podcasting is one of the few things that sort of bridges that connection. It is a long form conversation on your phone, right. which is what I love so much about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, that's absolutely what I love about podcasting. It's that other voice in the room. It's another perspective. It gets you to think about things you wouldn't normally think about. Yeah. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. It is a long form conversation. So if you guys were not doing the podcasting stuff, would you just be doubling down with like the stand up stuff? Would you be like writing? What other kind of things would you probably be doing? In terms well, of I think it kind uh, I mean, to get back to stand-up, I think that's what kind of set this whole thing off. It was, we we had a network of really great and funny and talented people with all sorts of just created different skills and what have you. And it was, you know, it was, we just wanted another medium or just a way to create. Sure, yes. We, you know, our, our, our father is just, and even when we were younger, loved radio shows, loved bringing mm -hmm. up old bits, you know. He was, he was always kind of just, always... 
about that. He even says he, like when he was a kid, he wanted to be a sound engineer. Mm-hmm. Yes, and interesting. Wow. That was and that was kind of just like exactly. It was kind of just, just so. It's after a while. It's just like you see all these <laughs> signs, and you're just like it finally just clicks. You're like, oh, all right, let's well, uh, you know. It's just funny because I was just you should say like my dad's like a sound engineer and stuff. My dad owned two CDs and that was it. Just two yes. albums yeah. and he really didn't. It was Bob Marley and Bruce Springsteen. Right. That was it. The only two things he listened to. And yet I always find it interesting, like, none of my parents were into music, and yet somehow all of me and my sisters are all, like, music. I don't know if it, like, skipped a generation, or if it, like, it's so weird. And yet I could see, like, if I had someone in my family who was, like, a sound engineer into music or something, maybe I would have dug even farther down this rabbit hole than I already have, like, having this stuff within touching distance. Right, right, absolutely. So I want to I want to get into some podcast stuff before we do. Let's let's learn a little bit more about you boys. Now, generally oh when, I, when I interview when I interview here, so uh, not to age you guys out, but just for my sake, mm-hmm. moment, uh, Joshua, how old are you? Uh, twenty seven. Twenty seven. And Rob, how old are you? I am twenty eight. So you you guys are you guys are close in age. You're a year apart. Year yes. and a half. Yeah, yeah, eighteen yeah. 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 Where were you guys born? Uh, I mean, I. So yeah, we were, our father was a military guy. So okay, so you're military brats all over the place. He was yeah. in South Jersey. Uh, yeah. I was in Fairfax, Virginia, uh, okay. right outside of Washington, D.C. So we're, I'm just trying to picture this out in my mind. Yeah. So you're in New Jersey. Yeah. And then you moved to Virginia? Yeah, I was, yeah. Really I mean, young. I was, I was really really young, yeah. So where do you guys consider, like, home? Per se, was there a first place that you sort of remember growing up, like a town, or was it was it upstate when you got up here? Was there another place that sort of is your hometown per se? I well, for me at least, I remember the house in Manassas very vividly down in Virginia. Yes, yeah, and and yeah, then we moved up here to upstate New York in Pasico. That was, <laughs> our parents bought a bar. Honestly, my yes. dad. My, that's and that's where my dad grew up. My dad grew up in uh, Lake Pleasant. Went to high school, mm-hmm. Wells Central School, um, and then he just he had a dream after the Navy that he wanted to move back home and uh, own a bar and restaurant. An opportunity came along, and he jumped on it. And then we just moved up here, and yeah, we went to school, went to elementary school, like in Pasico Lake Pleasant. Had to do our high school in Wells, which was like forty five minutes one way. Now let me ask you this question, Wells. I just, I, just, I, mean, yes. I was just yeah. at Wells College. Is that the same area? No, 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 totally wrong. Okay, yeah, no. I was curious about that before you guys. Came. Wells ain't got a college. So. <laughs> <laughs> so how far away is Wells from from, from right here? Yeah. Probably two and a half hours. Two and a half yes. hour to go. Yeah. What kind of town is that? You talking small town? I mean, there weren't even. I mean, barely. It's middle. Of, it's upstate New York. It's just remote. Very kind of just. There weren't even farms. My graduating right. class in high school is twenty three people. Twenty. That was the people. biggest class in about ten years. Now, I'm just curious, I've had, you know, I went to Proctor, so uh-huh. growing up, my graduating class was like 700 kids. Right. Like, it was insane. And I've had people from real small towns, I've had people from real big towns. How do you feel like that small town aesthetic affected you guys growing up? Did you like it? Did you want to see more stuff that was out there? Or did you find it sort of comforting to be in sort of those close quarters of people you recognize all the time? Uh, I was excited to get out as soon as early. I could, yeah, but out. it wasn't anything to do. It wasn't like a negative feeling, like I need to get out of here because sure. I don't like it. It was, I was excited to see something else outside. I was excited to see what was outside Hamilton County where I grew up. Right, right. And uh, it, so for me growing up, I mean, you know, you move to the bigger cities. Like, I mean, I've lived in Albany and uh, now here Utica. Um, I, you know, it's, it's given me an outside perspective, I feel. I think differently than a lot of other people, and it gives me a really sharp edge. I mean, I've said it to my, I say it to my kids in high school all the time. I'm like this Proctor High School, this yes, this, this environment around you, this atmosphere will prepare you 
for the real world in a way that other things will not. Right. Uh, right. When I went to Brooklyn, when I went to New York City, it was just like, take a shot, listeners. Uh, <laughs> when when I was down there, though, I never felt it never felt odd because it's like, yeah, there's just people doing their thing. Right. Other yeah. people who look different than me, who practice different religions, or a religion in this case, uh, and just who are different than me, and that's fine. I'm used right. to it. When people I know from the surrounding areas of Utica yes. would come to visit me in New York, it was always a bit of a culture shock. Oh, yeah. And that was sort of the first time I ever had to come to terms with that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. A lot of people didn't have this experience growing right. up. We grew up in such a small area that everything's a culture shock. So Everybody. it's like we're it's like <laughs> yeah, honestly, we're I mean, taken off guard naturally. So we just thrive there. I mean, you know to, what put I mean? It, to put it in perspective, I mean, we had uh, we were running on dial-up internet until our like junior year of oh, high yeah. school. Yeah, I, I mean, mean we're was, off the grid. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's, it's I, I we still don't have cell phone service where my parents live. Did you guys? I'm, I'm really curious because of this, actually. Yes. How was your relationship growing up? You guys were a year and a half apart. You're yes. in your later 20s now, so you're both adults now. But was there tension growing up? Or were you guys Fight like, like hell, but we're really? friends. Yeah. yeah, honest to God. I mean, it's just, I mean, we shared a room growing up as kids. So, I mean, it's just yeah, like yeah, we yeah, were yeah. Like that on top of each other. But, I mean, it's just, we fought, like, I mean... Put each other through walls. Yeah, honestly, you know I, mean, I mean, my, my, my father, oh, yeah. Just, yeah, he says, yeah. my parents are just like, it's in tens of thousands of dollars. As soon damage. as one of us buys a house, my father says he's going to come down and just start breaking shit just to get us back. Yeah, I like, mean, it was just, but we, I mean, but we fight, I mean, just like every other, I mean, yeah, right. we've heard it on the podcast sometimes, yeah. we just start snipping at each other, but it's just like, but it's that brother dynamic where it's just like, ah, screw you, screw you, and you walk out of the room and you come back 30 seconds later and it's just like, nothing happened, and it's just like, oh, by the way, did you, you know, yeah. how was work today? And it's just like, okay, fine, I guess we're back. Uh, so I, just, I guess I gotta ask, because I'm curious, my, you know, I, I say it all the time in the pod, my parents were educators, I grew up with education surrounding me, so at a really early age, right. I got sold that. <laughs> people from Gen X were told, just like you, you go to college and you get your degree and you get out of college and you get a job. Right. Yeah. For you guys, you know, your dad doing sound engineer stuff, like working in like... Doing well, okay, so let me correct you. Stuff. He actually never did any sound engineer stuff. That was always what he aspired... Like, aspired he, to do. Right, 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 right. he wanted to. Right. But it was Navy, bar, yeah. restaurant, and now, yeah, so I mean, he's, doing he's sort busy. Of these, right. yeah. these kind of jobs, which are almost like trade-type skill yes. type positions... Were you driven to do, like, the college thing? Or were you more interested in pursuing something in terms of, like, a trade or a skill when you were getting to that age? So we had, actually, we kind of walked two distinct different paths in regards to that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, re I remember talking to my guidance counselor and kind of just, like, I'm almost putting the fear of God in you in regards to just like this is the yeah. only way you're going to break out of the socioeconomic way. ceiling, yeah. mm -hmm. go to college. I mean, that's what everyone yeah. was saying. So I I went to Mohawk Valley Community College for a couple of years, got my associates, and then I went to Utica College to get my economics, uh, bachelor's degree in economics. Sorry, mm -hmm. and it was kind. Of, it was just it was this pressure from like society and all my guidance counselors. Like it's my parents supported whatever it was we wanted to do as long as we you know as long as we had a plan. Our parents sure. were all about it. That's cool. So uh, I, I I I walked the more college path as opposed to Josh. And yes. Like, so <laughs> you went to here I am. Yeah. So yeah. I well I for a little while. Uh, so. <laughs> He dabbled. There's a, that's another incredible thing about our father is that he always drove us to not join the military. Our family has like 126 years of military experience within two generations. Yeah. So he was like, huh. don't join the military. Break the cycle. Get an education. Yeah. And, uh, but he really kind of never defined how you got that education. So when I left high school, I went to college, obviously. Like, you know, I was told to. 
and uh, I hated every second of it. But I started doing martial arts and talking really? to a lot of different people and traveling all over the country to do so. Uh, and I mean, getting to know people of all sorts of different backgrounds and just uh, jobs and cultures and just, it was incredible. So I left college because I got busy learning shit. So it was like, I left that just kind of behind and then I've always wanted to be on the radio. So when you want to be on the radio and you don't have a degree, you build the friggin' radio station. Did you, um, that's a good point actually. And I want to get into that too, but I'm very curious about the radio connection because yes. I, I tend to go back, you know, I, Mark Marin, Bill Simmons, uh, a lot of those early podcasts I was listening to in New York City, even like the serial podcast, yes. which is like the real first like mainstream podcast I feel like that broke through with regular folks. All of a sudden yes. people on the street were talking about podcasting in New York. I'm right. like, wait, what? You guys are on this too? Right. Uh, but the radio growing up, like I remember listening to John Sterling and Charlie Steiner yes. calling Yankee games and like hearing their voice and being like, that seems... Right. Cool. Did you have like moments like that, like things you listened so, to growing up, DJs or like the radio thing? Stuff? The thing that actually like kind of try like tweaked my brain into thinking radio was in fifth grade. I had a teacher named Miss Spangler, mm. and we would do the morning announcements. You know, we yeah, take yeah, turns, yeah. and she always said that I have like this belodious voice, and I need to yeah. <laughs> so in fifth grade, that kind of got the wheels turning, yeah, yeah. and then you know throughout high school, like my brother said, we didn't have you know. Internet, real sure. good internet. We had dial-up, so it was radio shows. I got really into listening to the Free Beer and Hot Wings show. Mm -hmm. Love those guys, sure. and I love. It was the dynamic of five friends sitting around having a long-form conversation, and it's so it was always just kind of that thing that was in the back of my head. Like I could, I could do that. I could sit down with five of my friends and have a conversation and put it on the air. Yeah. So, you, you know, here we are. <laughs> well, it's it's funny too because I think that. I, you know, Kevin and I played in, in bands for many years from when we were in mm -hmm. our late teens to our early 20s. And it was, we've, we've spent hours unpacking that we came in at such a weird time when you were still sort of like, oh, we want to make a record. Let's get some money and go to a terrestrial yeah. studio <laughs> and pay like $10,000 for like five songs. Right. Had we been like five years later, we would have caught up to the idea of like, oh, I can do this on my computer yes. for free, right? You can, and, you can jam in a van yeah. now and make right. it a hundred thousand hits. That's what made a big difference is the lack of accessibility for a long time held people away. Now that accessibility is anywhere. You can yes. theoretically make a podcast from your phone right. and it would sound great. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. And that was, I mean, it was like the Bill Burr yeah. podcast. I mean, it's like you listen to the audio quality of that and <laughs> yeah. it's like, boy, I could do this. I could figure yes. this out. I thought that was the first thing I thought when I listened to Bill Burr's podcast. I was like, right. I could do this. this right. <laughs> uh, so I'm just not that funny. It's the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, right. well, let's let's get into the actual podcasting uh, okay. section here. And working before we get into it, working folks download uh, stuff from Fish Guy Media Network. You guys on SoundCloud, Instagram? Yes, we are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you find your your you know podcasts, you can find us. And then you can, I mean, we usually do it all live and with video, so you can find it on YouTube, and I'm streaming on Mixer as well. Uh, I feel like as a podcast host, I'm supposed to say, leave a like and a five-star review here. Right. Uh, it supports the podcast. <laughs> uh, and now I'm going to do a me undies ad. Uh, yeah, no, right, here we uh, are. <laughs> so you guys are doing three podcasts right now, if I'm at, am I correct? Three regularly. Three regularly. We're, I'm in talks with my buddy Bob to start a fourth about history and politics. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm very yep. So we're going to be talking history and politics. We're right. excited to be, we're kind of laying out the show dynamic and all that. Uh, I would love to get you in there at some point. 
I'm um, hard to get. I'm very well, <laughs> yeah. that's, I'm just kidding. Jeez, how much do I need to pay? Well, have, uh, we'll have our people call your people. We'll sort it all out. <laughs> well, uh, I generally tend to say no to shows that invite Kevin on first. That's usually oh, my rule. Yeah, Whenever yeah, Kevin's yeah. on first. Well, I, I invited both of you. Come <laughs> on, no, 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 guy. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, but the reason I bring it up is uh, when I pitched this podcast to yes. Justin from Made in Utica when we initially started talking about this, my plan was to just take the Bill Simmons model of having like multiple different podcasts about a variety of subjects under one heading so that people could subscribe to one thing. I noticed that on your SoundCloud. It's called the Uticast Network. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is terrible because if you shorten it, it's UPN, which is already a thing, so I could never get you. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, but what I the problem I struggled across was that I uh, am so anal retentive that I hold on to so much like control of the shows yes. that between like grad school and work and doing right. the podcast and doing the interviews, I tried to do a sports podcast and it right. just was like I'm I burned out. I can't do yep. another thing. Well, but you guys seem to have had like an idea right off the bat to start early with just multiple different shows, which is probably the way to do it. Start them all kind of. At the in short span right. of each other. Yeah, honest to God. I mean, we came out of the gate, uh, gates really hot, and we were really excited to kind of just, like, just, literally just try everything. We, I, won't, I mean, we literally were just walked in and one day, and we're just like, let's just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Yes. And so we came out of the gate really hot. He was producing a lot of content. A lot of things were going really well. But you need to have time for yourself. That's what makes podcasts great is being able to enjoy your life. And he was spending, and we were spending a lot of our time. The only thing I had to talk about was doing other podcasts. Like it it was like, Oh, this is fun. So it was just like, I, we had to take some irons out of the fire. Um, the fishbowl. And, but also I think what makes that so much easier for us is that we both have different ways of looking at things. We both have different things we're passionate about. So can I can I just real quick? Yes. There are three podcasts here. We're talking. The Fishbowl is the podcast with the YouTube boys. Yes. On it. yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and what's the general consensus? What is that podcast about? If you have a topic per se, what that is just the kind of whatever general, general sure. topic cool. podcast. That's cool. where we pull in guests. We had Kevin on. Love yeah. to get you in. And is that the that was the uh, is that the original piece? Is that the one? You guys yes, started? that yeah, was that was yeah. That was the one we were like, we've got to get a podcast going, and the name Fishbowl just kind of happened. Just like you to cast. Them, yes. It just makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Works. Um. And then uh, 32-Bit Arena, which is uh, Yeah, it's my video game and technology podcast. He's not a huge video game and tech guy. So, and it was like dragging him through those conversations. I mean, just, it wasn't right. I I just, I I jump in on that one. It's just like, we had, honestly, one of our first really kind of Special episodes, I guess, quote unquote, was our Game of Thrones review. Oh, oh. Of blew the out the lines. season. <laughs> yeah, honestly, God. we brought he, he uh, his co-host at the time. Uh, Max was in there basically as like the third, you know, the third to kind of break it up. But him and I just ended up talking over one another for the better part of an hour and a half to the point that he just snapped and was like, "I give it three stars. Ah, I'm it done with trash. this. Yeah, I hate this. Yeah, yeah no, it, it was. was um, but yeah, honest. I mean, I'm I'm very passive about those things. But yeah, no, it's. That's been his baby. Yes. He does a lot with that. He talks a lot about the obviously movie and television too. Yes, that's movie and television as well. Yeah. And then uh, comics of the round table. That's your stand up comedy kind of stuff you guys are doing. Yeah, so that's kind of taken more of a different format mm-hmm. with the comedians I pull in. It's still going to be the comics of the round table, but it's going to be more of a directional topic where it well, it used to be just kind of general conversation. But, like, we've kind of transitioned it to, like, the last one we did was called Retail Therapy, Mm -hmm. where I sat down with another comedian who works in the retail sector like I do, and we just blew out the lines about retail. Uh, And the next one we do, you know, we're going to figure out what topic that's going to be. So there's more of a directional um, uh, 
topic show, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, and then, oh, we'll and then up there's um, up next. I thought uh, up next sports show is the sports show. So you that, guys do a sports show, huh? Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I'm doing that with a uh, my one of my best friends from college, uh, Zach Stouffer. Uh, nice. It's it's topical. It's kind of just I, I've being a guy who really loves sports. I, I love Dan Levitard and Stu Gatz. Oh, they're great. I, I, yeah, I love great the way that they kind of just present sports and in, in the, the the radio show. So that's ultimately what I want it to be. It's very loose, very hang. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes we're just laughing at each other about how boneheaded our picks were the week before. <laughs> you know, sports is such an odd one. I. I love sports, yeah. NBA, Premier League soccer. I'm like a huge Premier League soccer nerd. Uh, I I know a lot about football. I, I, like, I like actively refuse to admit that I am a football fan who watches a lot of football. But I do watch a lot yes, of football, right. despite the fact that I hate it, and I hate admitting it. But right. people, people know. I, I'm a Bills fan. But my problem that I notice with the sports thing is it's hard to find a niche locally if you don't want to talk about the Comets or Utica College, or... Because a lot of times I felt yeah. like... I struggled to be like, okay, I'm going to do the NFL lines this week. And people are like, who are you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's kind of what yeah. incentivizes us uh, to do what we call hot pepper hot takes. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically we eat something absurdly spicy, and then we try and pick the NFL games <laughs> at the end yeah. of the show. Um, sometimes it works out. Sometimes, like my co-host, you picked the Browns to beat the Patriots two weeks ago. Can I, say, <laughs> I, I, I can't even begin. I was just listening to the Bill Simmons podcast on the way over here, and they do the pick the lines. And the Bills are six and two, and the Browns are two and six. Yeah, they stink. The Browns are like three point favorites, and I'm like, are we just doing just no credit at all? I know the Bills stink, but why do we think the Browns are good? For what reason? <laughs> it's on, it's just because it's because that team is just so stacked with talent. They're just like, well, it's gotta like work sometime. Like it's I, but I just got I Freddy love Kitchen's, the Bills this year. Freddie Kitchen's not a good coach. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. I, that's, I'm not to get off topic. That's the one thing I love about the Bills this year. I mean, Sean McDermott is originally a Philly guy. Yes. I mean, you large, an Eagles fan? A diehard Eagles yeah, fan. Eagles it's. Fan. It can make my morning Mondays either amazing or just hellaciously miserable. Yeah, you know, the Bills, it's funny too. I've gotten, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've been detached from sports in a way that I didn't expect. I used to watch, like, I would get home from work at the restaurant in New York at like 2 in the morning and then watch like two hours of a West Coast baseball game uh-huh. that I didn't care about. <laughs> right. I didn't know the players. Yeah, right. And now, unless it's like a Yankee game that's important, I'm like, ah, I'm not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that the only, soccer is the only one now that I like, I wake up in the morning to watch soccer on like Saturday mornings. I I don't know what it is. I'm that's how I am with pretentious, I guess. That's how I am with the NFL, honestly. That's, yeah, yeah. I, that's my one sport where it's just like, I, I know that's my niche. And, and that's kind of like, as I've, as I've kind of networked and kind of gotten to know different people in the area and I've had different guests on, that's that's going to be the beauty of the sports show is that it's yeah. just like it's going to be kind of loose format. No one's going to need to uh, come in with stats. It's just oh, yeah, for sure. having fun just talking about that and just some topical stuff. like it's Or just ranting about how awful your team is like I've done oh. multiple times multiple this season. <laughs> uh, little sports there. Let's come back to video game for a second. Okay. Let's talk about 32-bit arena for a yes. second. Um, as... I, I just want to shout this out real quick. Yeah. I had Obsidian Games actually like my Outer Worlds review today. <laughs> I just, like, I'm throwing that out there. I'm just, I'm, I'm so said, happy with right. myself. Folks, if you thought that five-minute diatribe into sports was tough, you don't care about sports. <laughs> yeah. Allow me five minutes to discuss uh, Bethesda Wait and Obsidian and some stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I am a, a 33-year-old video gamer. I've been oh, playing video games since I was Good a kid. Good for you. Uh, my next project that I want to do I've said yes. it a million times on this show is I have a uh, a Raspberry Pi emulator yes. in there with tons of like Nintendo, right. and Nintendo yeah. stuff. 
I want to basically rip off the Up Up Down Down YouTube channel, uh, okay. Xavier Woods on YouTube, which is just I want to bring people in and interview them while we play an old video game. That's together. eventually that's, yeah, yes, that's eventually going to be um, a segment in the Thirty Two so, Bit Arena. Yeah. Uh, and my struggle has been I don't understand how to make that happen. Like I don't understand YouTube and like the right. capturing stuff. But uh, but I am a video gamer. That's my, yes. that's my video oh, gamer. Yes. So let's talk about Outer Worlds for a second. Awesome. Uh, I bought Fallout seventy six. I'm on, so sorry. On the day that it came out, and for I bought two copies. Yeah. Two copies. I bought for one for you. me and one for him. <laughs> we were excited to jump in. We love the Fallout franchise. We were like, yeah, "This is the I, next big thing. All of our friends are going to play." I played for about three hours, and I was like, "Something's not right about this game." And he was like, "No, stick it up, stick it I, up, dude, stick it up." <laughs> no, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, let's burn Todd Howard at the stake. Sounds good. It's <laughs> it's so wild too because I I've said this to yeah you know, I've said it to Kevin and you know Kevin doesn't really care about video games, right, right? Right. But, but he's seen me play enough of this video game. Fallout 76 is a broken video game. Yes, it's that, a dumpster fire. That oh. I have suffered through because I appreciate the Fallout series yes. and the lore, and I like right. the, the the general aesthetics right. of the series and like the post a lot. I'm good to, like, for that you, man. Stuff. Oh, good. So, but I think I'm done with Fallout 76. Yes. And we won't, we won't get into it, but there's a whole controversy about yes. something called Fallout First, which it's, people are mad mm, about, uh, and... Catch my rants on the 32-bit yeah. arena from yesterday. Uh, but Outer Worlds yes. is a game that just came out. My copy, I swear to God, it's in the mail. It's supposed to be coming tomorrow, oh, so I'm really man. excited, I'm excited for, for it. you. Uh, have you played it already? Uh, yeah, man. I'm a, I'm uh, probably 12, 13 hours into it. I was actually just playing when we left. As a guy who loves Fallout New Vegas, thinks it might be the greatest video game he's ever played, do you... Should I be excited? Buckle up and get ready for a ride, dude. <laughs> this is the best. I said it yesterday. This is the best RPG to come out in 10 years since Fallout New Vegas. This beats Metro Exodus for me. Uh, Ooh, really? Yes, absolutely. Oh, hands down. It's fa- yeah, Metro it's Exodus, I put it in my top five earlier this year for games of all time. The I whole, loved it. The whole Metro series, I think, is very underappreciated. Yes. Like, it's a really cool narrative. And then Stalker before that, the guys from... I ask you if you played Stalker. Oh, <laughs> did I play Stalker. <laughs> did you see Stalker 2 slated for 2021? I see it all the time that they say they're going to make a Stalker. Dude, they, they put it up. Happen? They put it up. Yeah, they uh, the guys from 4A Games threw it up on their Twitter. I mean, it's... So, I'm, I'm 33, which means yes. I am so I'm like six years older than yes. you. I... The, I have like a weird video game history because I had like a Super Nintendo okay. and like PlayStation, PlayStation 2. Right. But then, when my dad, my step, my dad moved into his house with his, with my stepmom, they had a computer and they bought me Half Life, which yes. is the first time I'd ever played yep. a PC game. Right. right, and I never really understood PC gaming culture until yes. that moment. Yes, like, and now as I look at current PC gaming culture and like internet gaming culture, I still don't understand it anymore. I've gone back around right. outside of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, kind of just how uh, just how big it is now. Like I mean, never literally, of course, I mean the esports. I mean what they did in the uh, at the Staples Center a couple of years ago. They got the attendance <laughs> record there. I mean, it's, Comcast invested five hundred million dollars to the city of Philadelphia to build the nation's first gaming arena. So yeah, I mean, it, you it, know, remember, there was a Far Side comic when I was a kid. Yes, I swear to God, it's so stupid. It's a picture of a mom and dad looking at their kid playing Mario Brothers, uh-huh. and dreaming about like classified ads in the future, like yeah. in search of person to save princess. Yeah, like 
Now we've kind of gotten there. Like, yeah. video gaming is theoretically a yeah. viable path to superstardom the way that, like, sports may have been 20 years That's ago, right? That's what I've been saying for, I mean, at least a, so a, a year now, is that VR gaming will move itself into the sports, you know, uh, entertainment yeah. realm very I'm, quickly. Uh, and nobody's going to see it coming, and it's going to be amazing. I'm such an old man shaking my head at the clouds with VR. I'm like, no! I know! Because, I I, you know what it is? I grew up in, like, my favorite games of all time are, like, Bioshock. Right. And, like, Castlevania Symphony oh, of the absolutely. Night. These right. weird, like, right. out-of-nowhere games. And the stuff that I appreciate about that is basically gone from mainstream gaming. Although, right. yes. you can find a lot of that stuff in indie gaming, which is something I've kind of learned, leaned into the last few years. Yes. Is like yeah. sort of the indie video gaming. Man, I'm sure the fans love that. Whole Dude, game I have got to, to get you on the 32-bit we'll arena. Get me on anytime. Yes. I love it. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about this for one second. I okay. mentioned to you guys before the podcast started some of the reasons like this podcast exists. Mm-hmm. Mark Maron, Bill Simmons. What was the first sort of podcast that sort of made its way into your sort of sphere of influence and sort of opened you up to the genre? So the first, I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a podcast, but the free guys are free beer and hot wings. Sure. I would listen to the show like it's a podcast. I pay them, I pay them money to be able to download their show work, work. every day. Mm-hmm. It's a four hour block of content and hats off to anybody who can do a four hour show five days a week, uh, and knock it out every day. Uh, so that was the first one. And then it was like Bill Burr, uh, and Robert Kelly's, you know what do podcast. Mm. They, I yeah. mean. Comedians, they were hitting it hard. I love their style of comedy. Uh, and the guests they were pulling in, I mean, Bill Burr didn't pull in many guests, but Robert Kelly, I mean, he'd pull in killers. Well, comedy comedy and podcasting have such an interesting, like, two great yes. tastes that taste great together like, right. thing yeah. going on. And I really do, I grew, uh, well, I grew up watching stand-up comedy in a way that most people in my generation I watched Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. And they had tons of, like, Gallagher stand-ups and Dana right. Carvey and old Saturday Night Lives and, like, Kids in the Hall and I do sort of stand on the fence, which is like not a popular opinion in today's sort of culture, that like stand-up comedy is one of the few real like ways we've accepted in society to like sort of speak truth to power and punch up at people and have your voice heard in a creative way. And I see a lot of people sort of argue, oh, it's you looked at like Todd Phillips, who just made the Joker movie. He was like, yeah. you can't make a funny movie anymore because like right. people are too sensitive. And I'm like, I don't know. I see a lot of funny stuff all the time. I don't feel like I right. stop making funny stuff. Right. It... It's just so interesting the way that comedy has sort of taken on a different space in our current world now. And now I feel like when yes. Dave Chappelle puts out a comedy special, I'm waiting for the point counterpoint pieces about it as opposed to, is this or is this not funny? Do you know what I mean? Right. It sort of becomes, is this, are we paying more attention to like the social aspects of comedy? Are so, we I mean, we can almost ask the it? question at that point, is the art doing its job at that point? Is pulling I, a reaction out of us is getting the conversation flowing? Well, it's funny. Th- I mean, that's, I, yeah. I think that's, that's great. How many times, too, have you like seen someone that, oh, this is a controversial thing that you watch and you go, oh, I guess. Comedy, <laughs> it's it's like, and this, is, this is kind of my thing. Comedy, I don't feel, has to punch up. It doesn't have to attack power. As long as it gets a conversation going, mm-hmm. as long as the art does what art is supposed to do and garnish a reaction, and then we talk about that reaction, yeah. that's that's what comedy is, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like, be funny. If you think something's funny that's inappropriate, let's have a conversation as to why you think that's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to take away your right to laugh, but let's talk. I mean, it's art, man. That's If you look at a painting, we do the same thing. We talk about why that's beautiful. Well, it's also sort of the opposite point that I was making earlier about the uh, barrier of entry is smaller 
I think social media is different now too. Yes. The barrier, like when George Carlin was out putting out George Carlin's like comedy. Evening, right. How many other people were putting out comedy albums? Way less than there are now. Right. Like oh, now, absolutely. There's a million comedy yes. specials. The barrier to get your stuff in front of people was harder to break through back then. So only mm-hmm. the, the the people who really had the skill and the and the talent who could break through to audiences were the people people knew. Yes. Yeah. Now you can just like, I can just be on Twitter shouting off half takes and seeing what gets likes. Right. right it's like right. Is, are these the same thing? Right. Probably, yes. Probably not. But I also think that like podcasts have opened up a place for comedy. Like, Comedy to work on their stuff, right? You Absolutely. can be a builder and do like a Monday Thursday show and sort of like work through your stuff, and like maybe it's a new platform for people. Right. I don't know. I'm just... and, and, well, I think that's the way we look at uh, yeah. the whole podcast network and why we started it. It was just it was another way to kind of just get the creative juices flowing and you know get in front of a mic, talk, and you know express your ideas. But I think it's just you guys. I hate to say it, but it's just like unfortunately, there's just people out there right now that will take things purely out of context mm-hmm. and will. I mean, and will roast you over the court of public opinion about these sure. kinds of things. Like it's just one thing. I took social media off my phone this last month. Interesting. I took Facebook, uh, Instagram. I just all of it yeah. gone, and it was. It was. Just, I think if people get confused with how dependent we need we are on social media to get these kinds of things okay. out, because it's just like I don't. I feel like a lot of stuff gets lost, in, especially with, with comedy and podcasts. Like I, for me personally, he loves free bear and hot wings. I love a lot of people. Like I, I think what they're doing on the bonfire on Comedy Central mm-hmm. Radio. I think they're great. I think um, the Legion of Skanks yeah. are 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 a really great comedy uh, trio. And it's just like, I mean, I don't know. It's just like you got to be, I think right now you've got to be a little bit more conscientious of what you put out in the public forum. I mean, don't get me wrong. I go up here and, and I say what I want to say and I'm not afraid to, but it's just, I just, I'm, not, I get nervous, man. I don't know about conscientious. My general opinion on all this kind of stuff is been, right. I don't feel like I'm going to say anything on this podcast that I would not also say if you asked me in real life. Right. right? Like there's a. And right. if you can sort of just agree with that mentality, like yes. whatever I'm going to say, if yeah. I feel like I can back up what I'm going to say and I have like an argument to say, I'm going to say it, right? I don't have uh-huh. to feel bad about it. Um, I think some people don't feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you guys just a broader question. So far, it's been about six months, you'd say, since you started the, the network. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What do you say has been the biggest struggle you guys have come across? And what was the biggest sort of surprise that you guys have stumbled across in the last six months? Uh, the biggest struggle for me has been marketing, trying oh, to get it yeah. out into the stratosphere, mm-hmm. getting people to share, getting, mm-hmm. I mean, just connecting with my audience and just, yeah, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's when there's so much out there right now, and that's why I don't even check the iTunes statistics. No, I don't there's so many friggin' <laughs> podcasts on iTunes. I am so drowned out of their algorithm, man. I just, there's so much out there right now. So marketing is all bitch yes. and I don't know what I'm doing I can't stress that enough I, I'm not educated and I you know I've got a will even when it comes to like I go back to like back when we were playing in the band me and Kevin yes. and those boys like I never booked a show in my life I was like right. you guys figure it out I will I'll be here for all of them just tell yes. me when right? I, I'm not calling any bars right it's, I'm not good at it it's not my thing right Right. and that I, I feel that's been a big struggle yes. yeah. what about sort of surprises any sort of successes or things that came around easier than you thought they would be that you didn't expect maybe the guys at Obsidian Games liked my Outer Worlds <laughs> uh, review today so I, uh, improvement <laughs> it's really kind of fun yes. to see how far we've come in such a short period of time Yeah. I mean I 
I remember taking off the headphones early on after fishball episodes and kind of just like we both looking at each other going, Whew, I don't know if we want to put this one out there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then it's just like, and some, I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes I still feel the same way, but I'll take the headphones off and you'll look at me and just go, dude, that was a great 45 minutes to an hour. Yes. Like, you're like, in that, like, it's seeing how quickly we've grown and seeing the amount of people that are just so that have kind of stuck with us and are just always there to kind of just like, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it's just like even our our father calls us up and gives us the honest truth about things. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just like everyone's been honest and has been very constructive and it's it's just a lot. Of, I'm surprised with how many people have kind of just come out of the gate already to kind of just be like, yeah, you guys got a good thing going. Have you uh, have you guys started any rivalries yet with any other local podcasts? Have you like started fights with people yet? Haven't started them yet. <laughs> <Not> yet. <laughs> got a couple in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny too because like I remember we got a couple bridges on our target. List, <laughs> you know? I remember um, when I pitched uh, the show, this show to yes. to Justin at the time. My whole mo was like, I don't think anyone else is doing this. I just want to be out here before. Right. <laughs> before <laughs> so I want to get like a hundred episodes in, and yeah. by that time, right? Yeah, uh, but it is funny to me in hindsight. I have seen like more and more people bouncing in. I've seen you guys doing your stuff, and yes. you know, Malik's been on not too long ago doing his like against the algorithm stuff. He's a really cool guy, mm-hmm. and. It's just like a lot of people reaching out and doing stuff more, and I've learned it's easier for the most part to be nice. I think a lot yes. of my my first initial Absolutely. mentality is be like, don't be, don't be jumping on my stuff. But like as right. I've learned over the years, like people just want to know sometimes. They just yes. want to chat you up and yeah. like learn what the best way is. And honestly, at this point in time, if I feel like I can help the podcasting community in this town become like a thing that exists. I'll be very pleased. I think the most recent statistic I saw was like, in the world right now, there are 3.8 billion people on the internet. I don't need to get angry with anybody around me because (laughs) I I can find a market out there. Like, I can find my audience. It's, you know, you can have yours and I can have mine and we'll blend too. It'll be fun. And I think a lot, I I think what's been great about this, uh, this podcast media network thing that we've done is just... You know, the amount of talent that is just in the area that, you know, it's just that just needed a little bit of a voice. It just needed a jump start. I mean, it's just even from just like the stand up community around here to even just like what you guys are doing to what Phil Fart is doing. I mean, it's just it's been a great way to kind of just build this network and kind of just the foundation of everything that's going on around here. There's just there's a great renaissance going through the Utica area right now. Yes. And it's just like and that's kind of. It's nice to be able to give a voice to that too, and, and, and give a voice to the to the community and to the communities around here. I always go back to this. I've mentioned it a million times in the show, so sorry, listeners. Uh, when Trump won in twenty sixteen, I remember mm-hmm. there was a tweet that I saw on my thread. I was like back here, and it was just some guy joking around. It was just like, "All you clowns need to move out of Brooklyn and go back to where you came from and fix up those places. <laughs> it's like <laughs> st- stop leaving the crummy places you're from." Right. <laughs> Go back to the places you're from and fix those up and make those cooler. And I sort of laughed at it, but as I got farther away from it, I'm like, no, I probably, I probably feel like I impact more people here locally yes. than I ever did when I was like in a city of eight million people who did not want to talk to me. Right. But there is sort of it does feel like people are starting to come around in the idea that like you can have more of an impact locally now because. The stuff that you used to go out in the world, right. find the internet has brought it all so much closer. To you. Right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, boys, I want to thank you guys for coming on again. Uh, you guys are at Fish Guy Media One on Instagram and on Twitter. Yes. You guys are on Facebook at Fish Guy uh, Media Network. Yes. Uh, do you guys have uh, lightning round time, real quick? For absolutely, round I got right. nothing but time. Cool. 
So these are the same six lightning round questions we ask everybody who's been on the show. I'm going to attempt to do this in serpentine fashion, so back and forth. Uh, Rob, let's start with you. Uh, Rob, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Uh... Two sugars and a whole lot of cream. Right now it's pumpkin spice. I'm a sucker. Are for you pump- a pumpkin spice man? I oh, am. Man. I just give me a pair of UGG boots and some leggings. It's it's just this is my time of the year right now. I'm I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm a big hazelnut coffee guy, and uh, people get give me a lot of crap for that too. Really? Yeah, hazelnut coffee. Yeah. I, anyway, it's just like flavored coffee in general is a miss for a lot of people. I Kevin just, included. He tells me all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hmm. How about you? Uh, coffee. How do you take it in the morning when you wake up there, Josh? With a cigarette. Smart. <laughs> Very smart. It's like me in my twenties. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Josh, when, uh, what was your first automobile? Uh, it was a 2000 Oldsmobile Intrigue that my parents had uh, supposedly <laughs> sold me but more gave me uh, yeah. because I was a broke college kid and couldn't pay them back. And it was a tank, and I absolutely loved yes. it. I could drive it through snowbanks. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have to shovel out my driveway. Just take it right through <laughs> it. Loved it. Uh, same question uh, for you, Rob. First automobile. 95 Honda Civic. My man. door short throw, <laughs> manual clutch with a fart can on the back. Yeah, you're drifting. Dented uh, all the hell. <laughs> Dented all the hell. Not a Oh, and there panel. was no radio in it because the night before, the guy, a close family friend of ours, the guy's like an older brother to us, was getting ready to sell me the car for $500. Someone the night before broke into it and ripped the radio out. Oh, so he sold it to me for $200. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was just talking about like getting my first car and uh, having to like get your CD player with the skip protection yes. to a tape to put in your tape deck. And I was like, what a, what a world we oh. lived in. Uh, you may or may not have taken your 1995 Honda Civic to see it, but what was your first live music event? Uh, it's so against everything that I love musically, but my first, it was in Memphis. I saw Keith yes. Urban. Keith Urban, in yeah. Me- at the Pyramid. I was in like... <laughs> I think fifth grade, yeah, but it was like it was like before, like he had all the good hits. Sure, yeah, I think he had like the um, oh, what the hell was it? I see, I don't even remember the songs, but oh, and Kenny Chesney, he was the headliner. Good lord, Chesney. He's I was like whatever about him, but hey, Keith Urban, man, he jams on the guitar. We uh, we talk at some point in time today in the history lessons about Shania Twain, which is like the number two. Her like Come On Over album is like the number two best selling like country album of all time. Like it sold an amazing, like an outrageous amount. But I want to say like Chesney was on the list somewhere when I was looking oh, at the yeah. list. Like, yeah. Chesney was hot. He was popping off on the charts. I know. I worked in a corporate record store for many years. <laughs> I sold a lot of Nickelback and a lot of Kenny Chesney. Oh, yeah. Uh, same question for you. What was your, You may or may not have taken your 2000 Olds of Beale Intrigue to see. What was your first? <laughs> no, actually. Okay, so it's a no-name. Don't even remember the dude's name, but the interesting thing was it was on my senior trip in high school because, again, we grew up in a small area. I didn't get out to see live music much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I snuck away from our group, and I went down to a cigar bar, and for some reason the bartender sold me a Manhattan and this chocolate-flavored cigar that was delicious, and there was a dude playing jazz guitar, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. At 18 years old, yeah, I'm on my senior trip, and I'm sipping a Manhattan, and I'm smoking the cigar, listening to a jazz guitarist, and uh, my teacher, my chaperone, came in pissed. Oh, she was hot. (laughs) Oh, man, that's hilarious. Um, jazz man, I love it. Uh, all right, so let's start here, jazz man. Uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? Uh, okay, so although I wouldn't be able to understand the guy, sure. I would want to sit down with Mustafa Kemal. 
Mustafa Kemal. World War One Ottoman general who fought at Gallipoli and repelled the uh, British and Australian yeah. invasion. And it, I find his story so interesting in that, I mean, he broke through the, after the British sent their first wave and then their second wave and everybody got decimated. Mustafa Kemal snuck up to their line mm-hmm. and said, do not send a third wave, we will cut them down. Mm-hmm. And then snuck back without getting tagged. They sent the third wave. They got cut down. They sent a fourth wave. They got cut down. The British had to retreat. Mm. Uh, I would love to know where he got this knowledge. I mean, just, I mean, there was, you can see uh, the art of war from Sun Tzu. You can see, uh, I mean, just uh, the Book of Five Rings, Miyamoto Musashi. You can see all these Mm. lessons he had taken throughout history culminate into this amazing experience where he also showed humanity. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I would want to talk to that guy. Mm. I'll look that up afterwards. You ever done the Otto von Bismarck deep dive? That's a good one to look at. Yes. He had a really interesting yes. um, uh, history as well. Uh, same question for you, Rob. If you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be? Well, I mean, it's not going to be as deep That's and, okay. you know, <laughs> right. philosophical as my brother here, but uh, Patrice O'Neill. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved uh, Patrice RP. O'Neill. Yeah. He was one of the guys who mm-hmm. really stood out to me. And I would just love to just... I mean, just in the in the comedy culture that is 2019, just I just I feel like I would just love to hear his opinion and take on it, and, and just kind of just pick his brain about comedy in general yeah. too. It's funny too because he was everywhere for a while, and you see him on all his Comedy Central stuff. Like right before, like, I felt like he was just starting to like see him everywhere and more yeah. regularly around, and it was right there, man. Right it was there. right. There. I mean, I, I loved Elephant in the Room. I mean, to this day, is one of my favorite specials. Did you like Hed- Hedberg? He felt like he was right in the yeah, right yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I saw Greg Giraldo up at MV when he came through about ten oh, years Giraldo. ago, and then he was like yeah. dead six months later. Man, it was someone was just talking about him on a podcast I was listening to, just like that guy's underappreciated. Yeah, he was. all time, man. I just wow. Um, I'll leave this up to both you guys you can sort of jump in give me one book album movie or television show you guys are currently reading listening to or watching um i am actually getting ready for the witcher series i'm on the oh, fourth yeah. book yeah. uh tower of swallows um uh yeah i'm just that's basically what that's i've been the netflix series with uh, henry cavill yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the mm-hmm. adaptation there yeah i've not played the game but i've heard the game as well too yes, wild game. that's one of the greatest of all time uh, of all time. how about for you uh so i am watching uh the blacklist on, oh it's yes with james spader <laughs> what a spader. great freaking actor man <laughs> oh my god i mean he's just got this way of speaking i just Oh, he's my guy, Jimmy Spades. Man. He beat we, me. He beat me over the head with him for three years in that show, and then I finally caved. And I'm like, I get it know. now. I get why you're infatuated with the show. People are obsessed with The Office. I am on the minority side that the James Spader season is actually funny. And people I love, love it. People, I don't understand. Why I love to so think much. that it's Raymond yeah. Reddington who just took a summer <laughs> off to run a, a, a paper business. Yeah, he's Robert uh, California. <laughs> and uh, and last but not least, uh, Joshua and Rob. Yes. Bish. One more thing that you guys. Besides comedy, podcasting, sports, give me one more thing that you guys are passionate about. Uh, firearms. I love yeah. firearms. I love uh, just the culture. I love mm-hmm. just training. Uh, just I got my hands on an 1891 Argentinian oh, wow. seven millimeter Mauser. <laughs> it is an Ottoman uh, World War One rifle. Did, this... you, uh, did you grow up around it? Yes. Because of the, yeah, because of the yeah. military connection. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, and we grew up in the middle of friggin' nowhere, man. I mean, it was, that's just kind of par for the course. And, uh, Rob? Uh, honestly, hiking. Hiking. Uh, yeah, honestly, just coming from obviously where we did, and then kind of just over the last couple of years, and just, I've just, I've gone out and explored all the fire, as many fire towers as I can, and just, I don't know, I just, like, I've just really just kind of made it my thing the last year or so, so. 
Wonderful. Uh, Rob, Josh, thank you guys so much. For thank coming you, in. man. This ah, was a lot of fun. You. Thank you. Good God. I'm shocked that people say that to me all the time. I never understand how this You're is jotting fun. in your notes. Like even if I brought notes to a thing, like I would have just, I just had them sitting there. I wouldn't have touched them. This is years, years of me doing this at this point. This is all muscle memory, boys. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Uh, we appreciate you, I boys, appreciate for coming you on. So much, uh, folks. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Once again, to Rob and Josh, the Fish Brothers, uh, for coming on, chatting us up. Again, Fish Guy Media Network, where podcasts are All sorts available. of podcasts. All sorts of podcasts. Soon enough, we'll have a podcast a for anything, no matter what you like. I respect that they're doing the podcast network thing. I'm I, uh, trying to get I'm trying to get with Bob Beach on his history, on his upcoming history Yeah, it's podcast. true. I talked about that as well. Known Bob for a long time. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do history lessons in just a second. Uh, but there was one story I wanted to ask you guys about that we didn't get to in the first segment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, last week... Uh, your boy, Heather, Mark Zuckerberg, got kind of dragged in front of Congress. Oh, <laughs> I watched a, some of that, She's too. a Bezos girl. Uh, basically saying that Facebook is just not going to like fact check it. You can put whatever you, ads you want up, yeah, basically, yeah. on Facebook. Twitter this week went the other way. Yeah, I like what they did. And said that they are not allowing any political ads at all. So just in general, which of these two strategies do you do you think is smarter? The Twitter strategy or the I, Facebook strategy? I think you already know the answer to that. <laughs> well, I just I mean, like we were just talking about local elections with the signs everywhere and all the mail coming to the house and how much we hate it. Good. Ban it from everywhere. My qu- Don't run them anywhere. If Twitter doesn't want to do it, nobody. Just stop. I guess my only question, though, is I, I like the idea of it, like the general idea. Mm-hmm. I'm, does that mean, like, politicians on Twitter can't talk about their platforms. Like, where does the line draw? Like, what is political can't discussion? Sell advertising. You can't sell an advertisement. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's all it is. That's, right. that's, that's the line. Ten mile okay. wide line. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like this is something like magnanimous that Twitter is doing. It just seems like it's an easier solution. Nobody than... trust any of these people. <laughs> Rightly but also, so. I kind of get the argument that like Facebook. You know how much it would cost to like hire enough people and like fact checkers to go through all the stuff people mm-hmm. are like posting and stuff. It that's seems. The... That's no. it, it seems outrageous that they would go through doing that. Oh, yeah, Facebook would no, be better off. Poor Facebook. I don't I mean, know where they, they find the money. It's not about that. I just I don't, don't think really they would... would. Wouldn't they just be better off doing the same thing that yes. that Twitter's doing? Just be like no political ads at all. I mean, if they weren't getting as much money as they're getting for doing it, a lot mm-hmm. of people are spending yeah. a lot of money with them. That's like true. These, these, that's the business these people are in. Like you know, they're they're called social networks, but these are advertising companies. Mm. You know what I mean? That's their that's business. True. That's where they make their money. You're not paying a monthly you know, thing to be subscribed to mm-hmm. Facebook, they're getting their money by harvesting your data and serving you ads. They're mm-hmm. an advertising company. So they're not, to turn off the spigot on that kind of advertising would be a tough decision for them because they would lose mm-hmm. a lot more money and the headache might be worth it for them depending on what their revenue and their income is from it. Social media is now the news. And no, um, it's all the sewer. The, and all of the, <laughs> it's our crumbling all, infrastructure. And all of the different streaming platforms are now just cable. We've reached the full it's singularity. Coming, it's come it's back around. Yeah. And then once they get the stranglehold there, don't think they won't pop the commercials back. They'll be back. <laughs> They're back. They're already we, back. We might have won the battle, but the war's not uh, over with these people. Uh, and one last thing I just want to shout out before we get to history lessons. Uh, I didn't mention it in the first thing. Shout out to my boys, 
uh, at Proctor High School. Uh, they are in the state championships this weekend. They're in the semifinals. They are undefeated. They're ranked 13th in the state for football. That's awesome. Nice. The first time ever that Proctor has made it like this far in Division Three for football. Is it is this happening more quietly than it would have? Yeah, have I, I or, or have I just gotten older and less removed from people who talk about this kind of thing? I mean, I'm around it every single That's day. That's what I mean. I see like, a lot are of people, kids. Are people at Proctor hyped about this? Yes. Is this like yeah. this is a big deal they're, like they're, in the ecosystem? That, yeah. That this weekend. In? Yeah. This weekend they're playing in Syracuse at the Dome at uh, 8:30 in the morning, which I I have admit I'm kind of tempted to go to drive on Saturday. Saturday. Nah. I don't know. Nah. I'm up anyway for soccer, but there might mm. be a soccer game on. Uh, they're 9-0, and they're in their first ever Section 3 championship game. They're playing Cicero North Syracuse uh, on Saturday at the Carrier Dome. So If it was like noon on Sunday, I'd be out there with you. Yeah, so shout out, though. I, I'm very proud of my lads. Uh, good for them. That's my, great, man. Yeah, Proctor, yeah. I mean, they've got, you know, a beautiful stadium up there. A lot of It's been a great program. I know a lot of people that are coaches or have been coaches have been involved yeah. with Proctor Athletics over the years. So it's always nice to see them prospering, you know, because there's a lot, of, a lot of great kids, a lot of great people involved. All right, so after that, let's get to these history lessons. Oh, oh uh, all right. Uh, don't worry. You were teased and were just taken away. I didn't highlight them, so it's going to be even, more even longer and more laborious yeah, than normal. Exactly. Um, so now you're going to be poking around for which sentences you want. Uh well, let's just do this one real quick because I feel like we've talked about it before. In this day, 1944, uh, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, wins his unprecedented fourth term uh, as president. Uh, he remains the only president to have served more than three terms. Uh-huh. Uh, at the age of 39 was when he actually contracted polio and was therefore burdened with leg braces and confined to a wheelchair. He did preside over the two biggest crises, crises in U.S. history, the Great Scary Depression. Scary back then, you could scoop polio. I was just thinking like the exact same yeah, thing. Right? Yeah. Like, like, nope. Looking at me, I'm like, that's how old I am. Yeah, once you get past a certain age, you're like, I've, I've moved beyond. I got all my shots now. Oh. I feel like yeah. I didn't I, I didn't really remember well, that about FDR. And now I'm thinking, because like, you're like still like years away. Sam, mm-hmm. years and years away, you could still get the polio. If it yeah, six for, years from now. If yeah. it weren't for the magic of vaccine. I know, right? I remember. That. Settle down. Uh, by the time Get that off Facebook too. No. By the time he was elected to his fourth term, uh, the war had taken a turn in favor of the Allies, but his health was already on the decline. Uh, his hardening of the arteries had been worse by the stress of serving as a wartime president. Several months before the war ended in an Allied victory, he died of a stroke at his vacation home. Uh, fascinating four terms. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, one of the most interesting presidents. Uh, if you're somebody who really likes history and U.S. history, and like we talk about. Probably one of the more interesting cases of a presidency, only because he served so much longer than anybody ever served, and he served during you know such huge times mm. with the Depression and World War II. What's really interesting to think about, and it makes you wonder what would happen if mm. he hadn't had polio, mm. if he had just been a healthy dude, because he was not yeah. a very old man. I don't know how old it says he was when he died, but he was not super old. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he could have gone on, and it really makes you wonder how many more terms he could have possibly gotten when we would have, as a country, wrestled Early with 60s. term limits. Early 60s. Early 60s. So okay. he could have conceivably yeah. been president for another 20 years yeah. if they kept electing him. And then right after him, you know, we put in term limits for the presidency because we thought we learned as a nation that we put term limits for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think And you so. shouldn't be able to take away <laughs> term limits just because you want to do some ill shit and make some more money. We thought... Mm. We had decided after FDR, but I guess some people missed that in history. Well, I didn't have to tee that one up for you guys. Very nice. Tee what? That was great. Oh, no, why was that? That's where I was going. It wasn't topical, was it? It was slightly topical. Interesting. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys tomorrow. heard this was interesting. Go vote. Uh, on this day. By the way, uh, in 1912, I thought this was interesting. 
Teddy Roosevelt did run for a third non-consecutive term, but he did he lost. So there was an opportunity for someone else to have had a third term at the time. My favorite all-time president maybe Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt? Very, very towards the top. I'm a big Teddy Roosevelt guy. Speaks softly. Carries a big stick. I was you a big Polk know. guy. We've talked about that before on the show. Big Polk. Polk was fan. bad, I think. No, he's all right. He's underrated. Was he? Yeah. He's all right. Who am I thinking? Franklin Pierce. He was bad. Franklin Pierce is considered the worst. Yeah, he's yeah. the this fugitive slave act and bleeding Kansas and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Franklin Pierce. He was really bad. He's like Bobby Newport. <laughs> Bobby Newport. Bobby Newport. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on. On this day, 1954, this one's really just for me, the original version of the movie Godzilla was released on Japan oh on God. November 3rd, 1954. Do you guys know the name of the studio that distributes Godzilla movies? I'm curious how much pop culture this is. Can you name the studio? When you say it, I will know that I've heard you said it before. Toho Studios. Yes, there you go. That's the studio that's known for making Godzilla movies and most of those big giant monster movies. Uh, in the film, scientists and politicians deal with the sudden appearance of a giant monster known as Gojira, whose attacks trigger fear of nuclear holocaust and po uh, post-war uh, World War II. This movie, especially the first movie, the Japanese movie, is a very dark allegory about the effects of World War II and the nuclear bomb. That's what the movie's about. It's only by the time the third movie comes out that Godzilla's kind of a cartoon superhero for the kiddies. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but initially it was a dark, I wouldn't call it a scary movie, but I guess in 1954 it was probably very... It would be crazy if there was yeah. somebody to really like yeah. get in the time machine and go conceptualize what it must have been yeah. like in 1950, in whatever old time when some movie came mm -hmm. out, you're like, oh my god, this is... Is this real? We used to have a babysitter. My dad would drop us off early in the morning, and that's the movie she would put on. Godzilla? Godzilla. Godzilla. See? Um, I watched it like 17 times, I think. I mean, this seems silly now, but Godzilla movies pioneered a form of special effects called suitmation, where you get in a big suit, and you make miniatures, and you mm -hmm. run through it. As a kid, I always thought that was the coolest shit in the world. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to be the guy inside the job. Godzilla suit. Turns out, it is a very... Physically taxing job. Oh, it would be terrible if they were out there. Yeah, but yeah. on paper, that seems great. <laughs> uh, so what's interesting about this movie is this happened a lot in the 1950s. This movie came out in Japan as Gojira. And then in America, it was re-released in a very heavily Americanized edited version. They inserted uh, American actor Raymond Burr into the movie as though he was in the original cut as this American reporter talking about what he's seeing. And, of course, they got rid of all the uh, more... Uh, Over-the-top America, A-bomb, World War II yeah, atrocities. Like yeah, 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 they moved a lot of that out. That movie, released in America, was called Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That movie made more money in America than the original movie made in Japan. To go a little bit farther, the actual Japanese version of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the original 1954 movie, was never released in America in its full form until 2004. Mm. That was the first time anyone actually saw it in America... Or maybe people had seen it, like, on, you know, widely released. Do you guys know where the name Godzilla comes from? I don't know. So, it is sort of a, a bastardization of the name Gojira. It's, if you, you can sort of, if you slow it down and speed yeah, yeah. it up, you can kind of see Gojira, Godzilla, how it sort of, how we Americanized mm -hmm. it. The name Gojira, though, is actually a mix of two Japanese words. Uh, Gorira, which is gorilla. And Kujira, which is whale, because initially in the uh, the process of creating the monster, it was yeah, supposed you to. You tell me, Gorira is Japanese for gorilla. G O R I R A, Gorira. Yes. Okay. Oh my god, that sounds made up. Uh, it does. He probably just did. We don't know. <laughs> like he could just be Fox <laughs> uh, Interesting. Godzilla is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the long. It is recognized as the longest-running film franchise in history. 
They're still making Godzilla movies, as you know, sure. currently. The one came out last year. There's another one coming out in 2020. I love Godzilla movies because I'm a big nerd. I was going to say, I'm enjoying watching you really shine, living your best life, getting to do a deep dive on Godzilla. Yeah. Well, my question, <laughs> I guess so my question for you guys is, you, can you, I've made you watch some Godzilla movies. Yeah, we've definitely, sure we've consumed some Godzilla over the What's years. your thought about Godzilla as a character in your life? Like, what do you think about him? Just sort of goofy pop culture figure, like... Um, no, it's iconic. Mm. It's it's almost like an archetype at this point. Like, it's a, an absolute mountain. Like, everybody knows Godzilla. Godzilla's become shorthand for this, you know, this giant monster. Like a band-aid. It's so familiar. Yeah. yeah, kind of. It's yeah. just, it's an icon in the culture. I don't care about the movies to the point where, like, I, you know, if I watched one of the new ones, I might watch that, but I'd probably only watch it once. I'm not going to watch any of the old ones on my own accord. But, like, I respect the fact that Godzilla is, like, an American institution or a Worldwide pop culture mm. institution, if you had to put it that way. Heather, about you? I'm glad he looks at it like, like yeah, that. You saw his <laughs> yeah. like that. I think <laughs> most people see it as like weird, campy, like yeah, 70s. Yeah, it just was like, it was a, I don't know. Just, I don't know. But like everybody knows it. Yeah, if you do. say it's Godzilla, true, like almost like... everybody, if you say Godzilla, they'll know exactly what you're talking In about. In terms of recognizability, there are right. very few like pop culture, mm-hmm. like, creations that you immediately know exactly what you're talking about when you yeah, say yeah, Godzilla yeah. for whatever you reason. You could show almost anybody a picture of Godzilla like the traditional design of Godzilla and they'd be like oh that's Godzilla whether yeah. they like it whether yeah. they watch yeah. it yeah. whether they've even seen a movie they know who that character is. I'll give you one last deep dive Godzilla thing and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, there is a movie I want to say it's from 1974 I might be wrong uh, called Godzilla versus Megalon and it is for Godzilla fans it's considered one of the Worst Godzilla movies. It's terrible. What's Megalon? What's a Megalon? Megalon was a big giant cockroach monster with drill hands. And I, sh- this is a, I <laughs> shit you not. Well, I'm glad you I asked. I shit you not. <laughs> the point of the movie is that there are people who live under Easter Island who are mm-hmm. mad because we are bombing, we're doing bombing tests and it's ruining their ecosystem. So they yep. send out Megalon to come kill the people on the surface because we're destroying their underground kingdom and then Godzilla comes to save us. It's like Thanos, they're probably right. We probably were ruining their life. Yeah, yeah. Um, But this movie is considered one of the worst Godzilla movies ever. Like, just really, really bad. However, this movie got widely released in America on cable. It went to TNT and, like, Monster Vision and, like, there was, like, all the people doing, like, comedy bits of it. And it became, like, an American... It became what most Americans thought of Godzilla after the 70s. Like, this sort of kitschy 70s, funny comedy thing so most people after like the 1970s tend to think of godzilla as the version you see in that movie which is a silly kids movie with like goofy special effects and like godzilla riding on his tail Mm -hmm. and just it's so it's interesting like the perception of it now i wonder what people think godzilla because those american movies have come out and you know what they think of they think broderick Matthew Broderick, that's 98, that's They true. think of the 98, yeah. All right, let's move on because I've gone too far. Uh, on this day, 1990. <laughs> sure have. Uh, on this day, 1990. Heather's putting her coat on. She's leaving it. Uh, on this day, 1990, Justin Parkinson's favorite movie, Dances with Wolves, premieres in theaters. Uh, it is a film about American Civil War era soldier and a group of Sioux Indians that stars Kevin Costner and also marks his directorial it's debut. It's a documentary about Kevin Costner. <laughs> it's a documentary. Doc- they're redoing that movie. Uh, Wait, what? Really? Yeah. What? Dances with Wolves? I think so. Well, they the, like re-release. They re-release. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought they like had hired yeah. some guy. Kevin's coming back. Kevin Costner. <laughs> um, so this movie won. It was nominated for twelve Academy Awards, including Best Actor. Um, took home seven of them, including Best Picture and Best Director, solidifying Costner's place as a Hollywood A-lister. Uh, so two things. 
I remember going to the theater with my dad once when we were kids, like really young. So 1990, I'm probably, what, five years old, four years old, somewhere in that range. Mm. My dad went to the theater to go see this movie. I wanted to go see something else, but he thought that we could go to the movie theater and he could take me into this movie and I would just be chill for like two hours, oh. and I was not. I did this not. This was like four hours. Yeah, it's a crazy <laughs> long movie. So my dad did not get to see this movie because I was not able to sit through it as a child. Right. Uh, but I asked you... As you would expect, yeah. a four-year-old. Kevin, I have... I thought we were going to see like Ninja Turtles 3. Do you know what I mean? I was like, this is not Ninja Turtles. Um, So I have Kevin Costner's filmography up in front of me. I would argue that even though I've never totally seen Dances with Wolves all the way through, this is probably Probably Kevin Costner's Apex Mountain. This is the movie he won an Academy Award as a director for. It was like a big deal. Uh, But I'm going to run through the list of some of Costner's movies. And I'll try and hit most of the ones that I remember. There's a bunch I never heard of. So let's start in 1987. The Untouchables. Is that better than this? Amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, I, lo- I love The Untouchables. So you got the wrong guy in that. No Way Out, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams. So Untouchables, No Way Out, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams. It's a pretty good Field four of Dreams, movies. Got, I think, has got to be his most known that was role. Good. I kind of hate Field of Dreams. It's a little... I it's don't... very earnest and on the nose. I saw it years ago, so I don't know how I feel about it now. I like James Earl Jones in it. He mm-hmm. cracks me up, but... Like I, it you're not. Yeah, you're. Yeah, way too jaded for it Field do of Dreams. I'm more point. of a Bull Durham guy than a Field of, of Dreams course, guy, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, 1990, Dance of the Wolves. Then 91, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I definitely went to the theater with my parents to go see that movie for. My parents were like not taking me to the theaters. Again. My mom loved. They just went to the drive Yeah, I know. They took us to see. Like, we, we went to see a few kids' movies here and there once I got mm-hmm. like old enough, but nobody ever tried to take me to see no. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I remember watching it on VHS at my house with my parents. My dad liked movies. And yeah, my, my mom, parents would not really go to the movies, people. And my mom was willing to let me go if people were going to make a stink about it. Right? Like, I liked the Robin Hood cartoon. So when the movie came out, I was like, oh, I want to go see this Robin Hood movie. And she liked Kevin Costner. My dad wanted to go see it. So it's yeah. like, all right, let's just all go. Right? That movie does not hold up. It sucks. It's yeah, not yeah. a good movie. It's, it's a terrible movie. Uh, JFK, 91. I like that movie a lot. Pretty you good. Do. How about The Bodyguard? That was a big I hit. I love that movie. The Bodyguard was a big hit. People forget he was in that because Whitney Houston and the, her cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You is so like dominating from that movie. Mm-hmm. But Costner was that dude. After Bodyguard, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a list of movies. Stop me when we get to a good one. A Perfect World. A Century of Cinema. Wyatt Earp. The War. Waterworld. Stop. Oh, that's Ooh. terrible. Stop. Do you Stop. like Waterworld? Waterworld. Listen. No. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Waterworld is terrible, um, but in this world where we talk about like good bad movies, I when I go to see a movie, I will give a movie a lot of leeway if it has a really interesting concept or they really mm-hmm. just completely go for their vision of some different world or like fundamentally different existence. Sure, I give people some extra leeway if they really try and fail. That's all right for me. I'm not gonna say that, like Waterworld's my favorite movie, anything like that. But like, could we watch Waterworld right now on a lazy Sunday afternoon and have lots yes. of laughs and enjoy yes. ourselves and have an interesting conversation about the movie? For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keep going with your list. I'll just blast through a couple here. Uh, Tin Cup, which people seem to like. Oh, I forgot about that. Movie. Uh, the Postman. Stop. You like the Postman? <laughs> Listen, I never seen the Postman, so I have no idea. I've heard it's bad, but the I've never Postman seen it. Postman is like Waterworld. Um, <laughs> literally almost like the same kind of thing but it's just different it's like post-apocalyptic and he I grew up in a family of people who worked at the post office and like sure. my whole dad's side of the family was the post office and we believe in the United States Postal Service you know <laughs> mail delivery <laughs> mail delivery as a unifying you know force of something that makes oh, our nation man. what it is 
And it's not a great movie. It's not a good movie, but it's a funny concept, and it's about the post office, and it's not bad. You could do worse. Uh, Waterworld in- might be worse than The Postman. I think I'd rather see The Postman than Waterworld. Mm-hmm. Message in the bottle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop with that one. I you like girl. this one? Mm, I'm stop. gonna stop with it because that's what like is a, message. That was like Nicholas Sparks, right? It's like he had a that was a big deal when that she, came out. The reason why is that's a movie that I know any girl would probably watch on a Sunday if it was on TV, and you're just relaxing, you want to watch some kind of different type of love story. I remember that. that being watched, and I, I watched that movie like four what times. What year was that? <laughs> this is Kevin Costner, Robin Wright Penn, and Paul Newman from 1999 based on the yeah. Nicholas Sparks novel of the same name. I remember that movie being a big thing amongst like like the moms and it, older ladies and like aunts That's what it is. That's what it is. It's, it's for like bad. older women who want to watch some kind of like love kind of different okay. type of love story. The film was panned by critics but was a moderate box office hit grossing $118 million against its $80 million yeah. budget. That's all I there do. you go. Uh, for the love of the game, 99, the third in his baseball trilogy of movies. Mm. Uh, Play it to the bone, 99, never saw it. 2013 uh, days. Uh, that's about the mis- Cuban Missile Crisis, I want to uh, say. Sure. 13 days. 3,000 uh, 3, miles. Did you skip The Hunt for Red October? Um, I did not. That's a sick movie. I feel like I didn't hear that. I would have stopped I you there. Too. Never mind, I was just thinking of Costner. Go ahead. Uh, 3,000 uh, 3, miles to Graceland, Dragonfly, Open Range, Rumor Has It, The Guardian, Mr. Brooks, which you said is a pretty good movie. Mr. Brooks oh, is an awesome movie. Yeah. Mr. Brooks, if you like, you yeah. like a serial killer kind of like crime thriller, you would enjoy I it. I think I might have seen it because he's the bad guy in it. Yeah. I've seen it. Like randomly Dane Cook yeah. is in it, like, but it doesn't... <laughs> uh, let me hit you with a couple of his most recent things that he's been in. Uh, he was in a movie called Draft Day in 2014, which is about the NFL draft, which is unwatchably bad. I've heard It's really bad. poor. Yeah. Um, he was in a movie called McFarland USA, which is a good sports movie that got kind of overlooked because too many sports movies. He's Clark Kent's dad in all these weird, like, Superman DC movies. That's fine. He, like, pops out That's in a nice movies. That's a nice role for him. He was in the movie Hidden Figures, which is a really good movie. If yeah. you've never seen Hidden Figures, that movie's dope. And he has a movie coming out in... Soon called Let Him Go. So that's where we're at. Well, people also talk about Yellowstone. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yep. Was he also in Hatfields and McCoys, which is another thing people Hatfields seem to like? Hatfields and McCoys yeah. was awesome. Yeah. I strongly recommend that. If you like like period pieces, 1800s, Western Frontier, yeah. Hatfields and McCoys was really good. Not I mean, too long either. I feel like at the end of the day, Dances with Wolves or what'd you say was your your top one for him? Untouchables, you said? I, for me personally, yes. But like his Apex Mountain with the culture, I think is Field of Dreams. Yeah. Field of Dreams. Okay. Yeah. That's All right. the first movie I think of when I think of his name. It seems like it would be like when he dies, that'll be the either the first or like the last with a poignant moment featured on his retrospective when that mm-hmm. happens on TV. That'll be the picture they show, will be Field of Dreams. Uh, let's just blast through these last two in this day, 1997. Uh, the third studio album by Shania Twain, Come On Over, it was a huge is, album. is released. It was the Gosh. Billboard album of the year. A lot of 7th and 8th grade dances with that going on. The album has sold more than 40 million copies worldwide. Uh, 12 of the songs were released as singles and would then go on to like be on greatest hits albums. It's an mm-hmm. insane like average of swings and hits. Like That's wild. I respect about Shania Twain. It seems like she took her money and just went and chilled. Yeah. Right now, you can go see her in Las Vegas doing her second residency. Super smart. Getting that Vegas money. I wish somebody would give me a Vegas residency because it seems like the smartest way to do the whole thing. You don't have to tour. Nothing crazy. You're just rocking the same show for a different crowd every night. Yep. Get your money. Secure the bag. Eat beautiful dinners. Have a boat. There you go. It's not bad I have a list in front of me of the 15 best-selling country albums of all time. Uh, seven of them are Garth Brooks albums, which is Shocker. wild. Yeah. Wild. Shania Twain comes in at number two, 20 times platinum. 
Wide Open Spaces by the Dixie Chicks also on here. That was a big thing. Kenny Rogers' Greatest Hits apparently is huge. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Garth Brooks, Dixie Chicks, Shania Twain, Kenny Rogers. That must be your your Mount Rushmore, right? That's your Mount Rushmore country artist. That's what you think about when you think country. Would I, make sense. I would be interested to see a similar list, but with singles instead of albums. Because mm. I feel like there's a lot of big people who have come out. Like I don't yeah. listen to country at all, but like it's a big part of the culture. And there's artists who have come out who have definitely had huge yeah. songs more recent times, like the most modern like country pop version. I wonder what those numbers are like. Eh, nobody's buying albums anymore. Uh, we might have to retire this going forward because a lot of the bits I got from bits from other blogs was from the Deadspin mailbag. <laughs> and Deadspin is gone. For the most part, as of some stuff that happened this week, I was gonna talk about it, but we—I don't, don't know. There, there's not much else to say about it. If you know what dead spin is, you know it's a shame. If you don't, it's still a shame. Yeah. But. So we might have to retire this bit, but I do have a couple questions left for you guys. Uh, we'll do this before we close out. Uh, here's one. It's from—it's uh, a food-based question. Last weekend, I hosted a casual get-together at my house. Everyone was having a good time, but I couldn't help but notice that one of my guests who I would consider more an acquaintance than a close friend, was rifling through my fridge. Not only did they help themselves to an expensive bottle of beer, I saw them peeking through Tupperware leftovers and the trays where we kept deli meats. It felt weirdly intrusive. Am I off base for feeling this way? How many people were at your house? Didn't really say casual get-together. Let's call it less than 10 people, maybe. Right? Yeah, I mean, if you saw them, I think... I feel like I would say something. Are you hungry? I probably wouldn't. I'm pretty generous with stuff like that. I would just sort of probably let it go if it's just like a small get-together. You've got to go, I mean, you've got to go with the shadow speech. Like, if you're right there and you see the person, you go up and you talk to them, you mm. address them, and make it very clear that I see you. And I would never chastise somebody for taking, like, you got an expensive beer. No beer is that expensive. Yeah. Right? Listen, like, <laughs> I understand what you mean when you say expensive beer, but somebody, you're having a get-together, some your people are already drinking yeah. beer ostensibly. Somebody found a beer, took a beer. You can be annoyed about that, but, like, if you say something and you make it an issue, mm-hmm. then you're kind of a dick. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Like, when they're rifling through and they're going into your stuff, I mean, you can just, like, make a joke, make it casual. Exactly. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Something, yeah. you're not going to come down on something. <laughs> like, if you're a real, like, you know, hardo and you're like, hey, what are you doing? Get out of my fridge. Like, that, you're the bad guy now and you made it so much weirder <laughs> by, with your aggressive behavior. Like, you've invited people in your home, you've got to put up with a certain amount of bullshit because that's just the way that it works. I don't feel like I would be upset that they were going through. I feel upset what kind of food I might have in my fridge. That's true. Judge me, yeah. Do I have, like, moldy I'll food tell you what. I caught... Don't judge me. Yeah, no, I I'm, caught... I'm not worried you're going through. I'm worried what you're like, dying. Like, damn, Heather, nice Taco Bell sauce packets. <laughs> I caught a friend of mine. Uh, a, a nameless friend of mine once. In my kitchen, when I didn't know he was there... Literally with a cold cut hanging out of his mouth when oh, I caught him. Oh, it's a pizza. Pizza, pizza. Yeah, it's like, yeah, pizza, pizza. pizza. Yeah. I've never been so angry. Was I was aggrieved. Like, no, like, oh, like, my God. Because it was like 3 in the morning. Uh, yeah. He was, like, he was like secretly in the house. <laughs> and, Sam woke, and Sam woke up to go to the bathroom. And he's sitting here in the fridge taking slices of pizza out of a Ziploc bag <laughs> with a piece jammed in his mouth chewing on it. Sam just got in his bedroom and was like, what are you doing? What is that's happening? That's different. That should be what's in the that's article. crime. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's different than having a get-together yeah. with people at your house. And drinking your expensive beer. Uh, oh, my thank God. You. Please. Uh, your expensive beer. Thank you uh, once again to uh, Rob and Joshua Fish, the Fish Guys Media Network boys, for coming in and chatting us up today. Really appreciate it. 
Uh, you can follow them at FishGuyMedia1 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow Heather at HeatherWaz1 on Twitter. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SFDoom. Or you can just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, taking over the web, made Utica.com, HandshakeCity.com. Uh, sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm like hitting a wall as we're doing this. Uh, we will see you next week on another episode of the Unicast. I've never seen any of these people. Go vote!